Welcome to Game Face episode 198 at Sifted Games at Sifted.net. The world's most informative gaming podcast is back for another episode. And I think we proved that last week, Matt. Yeah, I mean, not informative about gaming. <laughs> you to learn something. <laughs> yeah, what did you teach the people last week? Um, I can't remember what it was. God, what was Oh, it was about why, uh, why like epidemics and plague yeah, like, yeah, that's spread, right. to, spread to the Americas but did not spread backwards to Europe. Yeah. So it's really slow in the gaming industry. So you may not learn anything about video games watching this podcast right no. now, but you'll learn something. But geopolitical history, <laughs> we got you covered. We got, we got it on lock. <laughs> it is the worst beginning to a year. This is this is dire. It's like, the worst I've never beginning seen anything to like a this. year since Synth did launch. Not even close I, like, I'd go back even further than that. Like, I don't remember being this bored gaming-wise in it's a very insane. long time. It's crazy. Like, I started looking at some of the other podcasts, and, like, one of them did, like, a live top ten list last yeah. week. For the, but what do you do? I mean, there's just nothing coming out. Uh, the good news is I got on a beta for a pretty cool game that we're going to talk about this week. And there have been some kind of nutty topics that have popped up. So we have a good show. Uh, but obviously, we prefer to be talking about video games that we're playing to help you guys decide whether you want to buy them or not. And there just aren't any. Uh, Dreams is coming out soon, and yeah. I'm jumping on that. But even February, just <laughs> it's just bad. <laughs> but we appreciate you guys uh, sticking it out with us. I think we've been doing a pretty good job getting good shows together. I don't think they've been too god-awful. Um, and we're here to give you another one today. We're two episodes away from episode 200. The problem is... That is falling on a week that you're not here. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> Matt will be out on the 18th. Or is it the 18th? I yeah. think it is. And that would be where 200 falls. So we're in a bit of a predicament right now that we're trying to sort out. Um, but I will promise you this. No matter what, 200 is going to be an important episode that you're not going to want to miss. You can make it 199.5. We might have to do like a half-step episode. Like comic book style. Or, so, or like a we used to do Game Face, was it Freestyle, I think we used yeah, to call freestyle. it? Yeah, so maybe we'll go back to one of those just so we can make sure 200 is something special. But I will promise you that 200 is going to be a landmark episode of uh, Game Face. And not just Game Face, there's a bunch, a bunch of other stuff going on around that too. So big days coming. I do want to say personally to our patrons... I apologize. Um, there is so much stuff going on behind the scenes right now. I'm working on the relaunch of a site. We're developing a couple shows, I'm completely working on the relaunch of a couple other things. Um, and so there, there hasn't been as much content over the last couple of weeks as there has been. I apologize. I am just one person and I can only do so much. So I really, really hope that you guys bear with me because I promise you, a couple weeks of slow content, it's all going to be worth it in the end. Things are going to, a switch is going to flip here very soon for Sifted. Uh, and I just hope that you guys will stick it out with us because I think when it all happens, you'll be like, holy crap, how did Shane get all this done? So I'm killing myself behind the scenes. It's not showing up on our Patreon page or at Sifted.net right now, but it's gonna. So please stick with us. Our Patreon right now is so low. Like we really can't afford to lose anymore. I can't, definitely can't afford to lose anymore. Um, just please trust me when I tell you that there's all this stuff going on behind the scenes and things aren't that much slower than usual, uh, but a little bit. And I totally get it. You guys are paying for content. Um, I think about that with everything I do for you guys. So 
Stick with us for a little bit. Just in a couple weeks, I think you guys are going to see what's been going on here behind the scenes. And Super Bowl. Matt, what did you think? Uh, nothing. I didn't see it. You never watched it? No. Oh, I thought you might go over to your one buddy's house you usually go uh, to. Maybe. I was thought about it, but I did not. I was. I spent the day with two people that know nothing about football. <laughs> and, and, and it was lovely. I bet it was. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed. If you follow me on Twitter, uh, I'm at Dinfire on Twitter, and Matt is at MKyle. Uh, and right before the Super Bowl kicked off, my prediction, and I had a poll asking you guys what you thought, my prediction was the Chiefs win and another comeback victory. So they did. And so I nailed it. Yeah. And then the funny part was, after I nailed it, I went back and like quoted my own tweet and was like, oh, just call me Miss Cleo. And I got a reply and someone was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, people don't know who Miss Cleo is. <laughs> wow. They're like, maybe you should find a more recent reference. And I was like, maybe. Is there one? Sylvia Brown? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, she was active till more recently, yeah. I guess. So I, did, I could not even think of somebody that was the equivalent. So I just I posted an image of her, and I was like, I think now people will get who Miss Cleo is. She was like this mm-hmm. crazy TV psychic that you could call into for decades. And then she got busted and got caught for mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I don't know if she's alive anymore. But no, anyway. She, she died a while ago. Oh, that's Miss Cleo. Anyway. Also, she wasn't right that often. So I think, She's never right. I think you're better than Miss Cleo. I might be. <laughs> At least it picking NFL games anyway. All right. So with that, let's get on with episode 198. We're going to kick things off with a game I mentioned a couple minutes ago. Um, it's a game called Disintegration. It is being developed by a former Bungie veteran who really had his hands on the Halo stuff and then was there for the transition to Destiny as well. Um, when you look Man, at... Man, has seen some shit. He has, for <laughs> sure. He's been through it. And... Uh, I think when you first look at this game, the first impression you get just by looking at the art style is that it's like a Destiny clone mm. because it's a first-person shooter, but you're actually piloting a mech. And then it's also crossed with real-time strategy elements. So you're on like a mech, but it hovers. It doesn't like go on the ground. And then your three minions, if I guess is what you would call them, follow you around on the map. And uh, there's going to be a campaign that was not available in the beta. All it was available was the competitive multiplayer. Um, And there, there are there's a bunch of different like um, mechs that you can choose, and each one of them has a different team. Um, So there's a primary and a secondary weapon for each mech. Um, But then your three minions on the ground also have their own abilities. So you can you go around and they just kind of follow you around, and we can start running the b-roll so people can see this. You, you go around, and they, they will follow you around. They're kind of tethered to you. Mm-hmm. And then you can control them by using your reticle, and you point it where you want it. And then you, you hit the D-pad to select which minion you want to control. Once you've done that, then you hit one of the bumper buttons to actually activate their ability. And they're all different. Uh, some of your minions are big heavies. And you can see here, one of the modes is you pick up canisters and you deliver them to the base. So right here, I'm instructing my minions to pick up that canister. So it's not like when you pick up something, you actually pick it up, your minions pick it up. And then it's your job to guide them to the drop-off area and defend them all along the way. And so there's kind of like this tug of war between the two teams. Obviously, as you get killed, you drop it, and then it's a rush to try to pick it back up and start moving. It can get pretty frantic. So this is coming to both Xbox One and PC. I got an invite. So there was a closed period where just people who were invited were allowed to play. And then two days later, it opened up and anybody could play. 
And the code that I got for the private session was for Xbox One. So I downloaded it, and Matt, the game was completely unplayable. Hmm. It probably ran, I'm not even exaggerating, when it ran, it probably ran at like 15 frames a second, and then frames would just dump. Like, I... I would finish a game and I would have like 20 kills. I'm like, I didn't kill anybody. And like the lag was so bad, I was accidentally killing people, not even knowing it. It was crazy. And like I leveled up. The funny part was, so I couldn't play the Xbox One version. What concerns me about that is we're kind of getting a first look at scaling here. Game scaling for hardware. Now, I have the base Xbox One. I don't have the One X. I don't have the S. I have the launch model of Xbox One. And it can't, it can't run it. Mm-hmm. It just can't. Like, I, I don't know if they still need to optimize for it. I would imagine that. I don't see anything about this that looks like it wouldn't be able to run on an Xbox One base model. It, it couldn't. And it's crazy. Like, I started Googling that, Well, that has to be unfinished something. Like, that's – this is not a tremendously impressive-looking visual here. I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what would be the problem. If it can run Call of Duty, I don't know why it couldn't run this. Yeah, I mean, don't you think it's strange, though – no. That not. they would put out a beta for a version and it doesn't run? Mm. I mean, it's not ideal. Uh, maybe they didn't test it a lot on the base model. Maybe they don't think people have the base model anymore. Like, I don't know. I don't know what. Maybe they don't have any launch Xboxes to test on anymore. One one thing it made me realize is something that we've we've discussed on this show pretty consistently over the last, like, six months is that scaling it is not just, like, PC where you have, like, a game and you can just go in and set the config and run it however you want to, it's not going to be that easy on Well, console. even on PC, it's not that easy. You're right. Like you change certain settings, suddenly it crashes. You don't know or why. you got to go through like all the different five frames yeah, a second. You put yeah. this one setting up one more, and all of a sudden you lose 30 frames a second. Like, it was, was it 60? Now it's at 20. Like, what's going on? Or you turn this shader on, and every time you look at water, the whole the frame rate crashes to yeah. five. Like, it, you know, it, it, and that doesn't happen on someone else's rig that has the same video card, but have, maybe you have different RAM config, or you, know, you have no idea. I mean, yeah. Scale, I mean, scalability is definitely a thing, but it is not a thing that happens automatically, certainly anymore if it ever did. Yeah. Um, there's just too much variation and too much specialization between different hardware configurations. Um, obviously, it's, it is easier when you know that people are going to have one of two or three models of a console, um, but it's not, it's not an automatic win, obviously. And certainly not as you get further into a generation and you've got... You know, I don't know if the S is actually faster than the than the original one, but like I would assume that there's maybe certain tricks to it or certain little things in it that maybe they weren't that weren't the same, or you have to test both separately. I don't know. I don't know anything about game development um, beyond like kind of what I've been told. But uh, yeah, and betas can be rough. That can be the purpose of the beta sometimes to like see it how that all plays together. It was called a technical test beta. I mean, technical test means this thing's not going to work right. Server load. Yeah, so. they're trying to figure out server load and all that kind of stuff. It was it was unplayable on the mm-hmm. base Xbox One. So it does make me a little nervous, kind of looking down the road. It's, I don't think I don't think there's anything to extrapolate there. Yeah, I mean, I think that what it shows is that they're not just going to be able to make one version of the game and and just cross their fingers and hope it works on the weaker consoles. No, but I don't going to have to actually do work to. Make I don't sure think it works. anyone believes otherwise. Uh, if in development, any any developer knows that. So I hope so because otherwise it was. And look, it may have ran great on Xbox One X. I'm assuming it did, but for me on my base model, it did not. Um, and so what I ended up having to do, I tried to play it for like the whole day of that first test, and I kept thinking like maybe it's my connection, maybe they're having server problems. So I kept coming back throughout the day, and it just kept being a problem. So I waited until it went into open beta, 
and I downloaded the PC version. And that's the footage that you're seeing here. And by the time I got into this beta, the PC players, they just worked me. Oh my gosh. The, the thing about this is you're, there's only like five mechs. It's like five on five and the maps are gigantic. So it's very easy to get caught out on your own in this game. And like, you have no chance. Like in, in a lot of shooters, three on one, sometimes I can handle that and I can take out all three guys. You have no chance in this at all. Um, so you, it really is kind of a, you need kind of a pack mentality. You need to stick with your team because the other thing too is that all the mechs are different. You have like a heavy mech that has like a mortar and then like a chain gun. And then you have like the really fast ones that have, you know, a really high fire rate on their chain gun, but it doesn't do a ton of damage. And then maybe they have this thing that you can throw down on the ground that's like a blue like protective dome that you can hot so everything has like there's there's a reason to pick all the different teams and they're all themed there's one that's like a bunch of circus clowns there's one that's called like the neon team that's all kind of futuristic uh there's like a uh there there's i think there are six or seven teams in the current build that i played and they all are kind of stereotypes but then their special abilities make sense within those stereotypes and their their ship abilities make sense within those stereotypes um I don't think the game is going to be free to play, but it's set up like a free to play game. So you're constantly grinding to unlock new uniforms for your team, new skins for your mech. I never got to the point where I was unlocking like new weapons or abilities for that stuff. That may happen, but it didn't happen for me in my few days of playing. Um, but I think what I want to say most importantly about this is that it's something different. Um, I've been playing shooters for a long, long time. I've never played anything like this. It can get a little awkward when you're trying to control your minions while you're also like dogfighting somebody. And it, there were definitely points where I just like hit whatever direction on the D-pad and then just hit the bumper button in a panic, like just trying to unload as much as I could. Um, another thing that's a little weird in this game, there, there's no radar. So you have no idea where enemies are. Hmm. And like I said earlier about getting caught away from the group, you're doomed. That happens a lot in this game. You literally will just come around the corner of a building and the whole team will be there. Literally the whole team. That happened to me at least like four times. And within a second, you're just, you're done. You're, you're exploded. So th look, there's a lot of promise with this game. The campaign, I'm interested to see. I don't know how you make this kind of stuff work in a campaign. Uh, but the multiplayer to me is the more compelling idea, the more compelling concept. Um, now there weren't a ton of modes. There were three different modes you could play. You couldn't select them. It was just kind of set on random. Uh, there was retrieval, which is what we've been showing where you pick up the canister and then you have to take it to a, a point and drop it off. Uh, there was collector, which is a lot like kill confirmed in call of duty. Uh, when you die, you leave a tag behind and then somebody can come and pick it up. And that's when you actually get the kill when you claim it. And then there was one called zone control, which is basically just domination. You just go to a point in the map capture it hold it as long as you can there's a counter that gives you points while you do it so the modes in this game are pretty typical of what you would expect from any other first person shooter the game itself and how you play the game though is anything but um and as i said there were definitely technical issues with the xbox one version the pc version ran like butter to be honest with you um i was i mean you can see it right now it's not all that technically impressive it does kind of have that indie look to it it looks good but not it doesn't have that extra kind of pizzazz on it if you know what i'm saying um so it's not one of those games that's going to blow your mind with its visual um splendor but it's really fun it plays smoothly 
I'll be interested to see some of the other modes that they come up with because you would think that there'd be an opportunity to come up with some creative ideas instead of just another domination or mm-hmm. team deathmatch or <clears throat> kill confirmed or whatever. Um, but I had fun with it. And I was kind of disappointed when it ended because there's nothing else to play right now. It's like, ah, I like this. What am I going to play now that this has gone away? Uh, but I had a lot of fun playing this. It's Again, it's only coming out for PC and Xbox One right now. Um, it's published by Private Division, which is 2K's kind of indie imprint mm-hmm. that they publish smaller stuff from. So it does have financial backing. It obviously has a pedigree of having someone who used to work at Bungie working on it. Uh, so I have high hopes for this. It's supposed to come out this year. We're already playing a beta in January, February. Uh, so all signs are kind of pointing to that, to it actually hitting its release date, at least roughly. Uh, so it's definitely something to keep an eye on. It probably would have been nice if it actually came out right now because it's just such a dead period in the mm-hmm. industry. Uh, it could have done really, really well, but it's nowhere near ready to go. Um, and, you know, the campaign could be something that ultimately holds back its release date. We'll see. Uh, there was none of that at all in the beta. There was a, an option there, but it was grayed out. You couldn't select it. Um, and it's funny, like watching this trailer now, it makes sense. When I watched it the first time, I was like, this is just Destiny Sparrows. You mm-hmm. know, it's just going to be a whole game about Destiny Sparrows. And I guess in hind- now it is kind of, if I think about it. Yeah. It is kind of just an entire game built around Destiny's hovercraft. Although, to be fair, like. The sparrows are kind of the the vehicles in in Destiny in general are the most wasted element. They are of that game. Just they're just they a quick way to get around. Yeah, that's and it. And the ships, you don't do anything. Yeah, and here they're actually putting them to use. So I had a good time with it. There was only one map, mm-hmm. so that one map that we saw that was the only one I got to play, and I did get sick of it after a while because it really is just like a grid with buildings randomly placed, and I feel like they could. They could get a lot more mileage out of good map design with this game than they could with maybe a typical first-person shooter. So I'm interested to see some of the more some more environments. Um, but otherwise, I had a pretty good time with it. Um, they could probably find an easier, more streamlined way, and maybe automate your minions a little more, a little better. But they will start fighting. Like if they get near the other team's minions, they'll just pull out their guns and they'll start shooting. When you finish a match, you get two scores. You get a score for you, what you did with the mech, and then your minions get a score. Um, And then that all rolls into your unlocks and your leveling and all that kind of stuff as well. So Disintegration coming to Xbox One and PC. I'm guessing it'll probably eventually be available for Xbox Series X as well. Um, But I had a lot of fun with it. You can see now why people were like, it's a Destiny clone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It just, I mean, these trailers, it looks like it could be a Destiny trailer. Um, but it's not. It really plays completely differently and completely unique, even if the art style is maybe a little bit too close for comfort. So there you go. That's Disintegration. Uh, we're going to talk next about PlayStation, like we do pretty much every episode. Uh, right now, there's pretty much big news that breaks every week related to PlayStation, PlayStation 5. This week, the big news was something surprising, though. It was remote play. You know that little feature, Matt, that like we've all tried once and then never really used again? Yep. Well, Sony seems to be pretty serious about it. I think it's – I don't know if it thinks that remote play is its way to kind of combat the Switch. I got the impression that this was just like kind of dipping a toe in the water and seeing if there's any interest. Yeah, so they Sony put out a gigantic survey. And all of it was related to remote play. And if, for those of you who don't know what remote play is, if you have a PlayStation Vita – 
you can go anywhere you want, and provided your PlayStation 4 is back at home and connected to the internet, you can play any game that's on your PlayStation 4 remotely. Now, we've all tried it with mixed results, to be perfectly honest. Very kind way of putting it to me. Yeah, I mean... If you can get it to recognize that it's there, if you can get it to wake up properly... It's wonky. It's it's not great. Yeah, and I think that's been the issue, why most people haven't tried it, because people like us who have tried it have not had great impressions of it. So it sounds to me like Sony is like, we're onto something, but we just haven't nailed it yet. Um, And so it put out a survey and sent an email with the survey to... I presume what it deems to be PlayStation's biggest fans. At least that's my guess anyway. And the biggest revelation in that survey, or at least <coughs> at least the question that has raised the biggest concern or generated the most discussion is that PlayStation asked its customers if it would be interested if remote play worked on Nintendo Switch. So PlayStation has generally been of the big three console manufacturers, the one that didn't want to play with the others. They're, they're the most isolationist by far. They didn't want to do cross-play. They finally relented when everyone else mm-hmm. did it. it we've been, they've the been, HD era starts when we say it does. Right. They've been dragged into most stuff, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. That is consumer-friendly. Sometimes it's just like everyone else just went the other direction, and they're like, whoa, wait a minute. All right, and then it kind of catches up. Guess we got to go. Guess we got to go that way. Can't be left standing here all alone. Um, And so it is funny for a company that got into the industry by doing exactly that and leaving everyone else in the dust. Yeah, it's true. It's ironic. Uh, But it asked specifically about Switch, Android TV, and Apple TV. Now, Android TV and Apple TV make perfect sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, if Nintendo would be too happy about remote play working on Nintendo Switch. Well, I mean, obviously, that'd be something they'd have to. It'd be a deal. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Nintendo would do that? Is that a good idea if you're Nintendo, to allow PS4 remote play on your hardware? I feel like Nintendo doesn't consider themselves in competition with either of those companies anymore. So, like, the more eyeballs on their system, probably the better, in their opinion, I would think. Now, here's the thing. As it stands... You gotta own a Switch to do it. You do. But as it stands, Nintendo really doesn't have an opportunity to make any money off of this. Mm -hmm. To me, Sony, in a deal that potentially Sony or or Nintendo would strike together, Nintendo would have to get money somehow. PlayStation would have to give Nintendo cash. Mm -hmm. In other words, or otherwise, Nintendo would have no reason to do this. You're basically helping out PlayStation for no reason whatsoever. If you're either not that, or you'd money. have to have like a Switch PlayStation subscription or something for a nominal fee per month or whatever to do that. Yeah. So you're saying or like just, Nintendo tax a couple dollars onto Nintendo Online for those who want it. Yeah, like an, like a PlayStation add-on almost for for yeah, the online service. That could work um, if people really want to do that. Mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, I, it could work. It could even work something similar to how like the the Super Nintendo and NES stuff works. Just. It becomes a new, a new subscription on top of the online charge. Yeah. As, like, sort of to test the water. I mean, I, th- I feel like that's a long way out. I feel like th- there's nothing well, I in feel place like for Sony's this except asking Sony this. asking the question. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Sony's asking this for PlayStation 5. Mm-hmm. I think it's trying to figure out if this is a feature that we actually want to carry forward to our new hardware or if we should just ditch it. Yeah. Well, I, they don't have any hardware to carry it forward to. Well, not yet. In terms I mean, of portability. Right. Like, and they're obviously not going to do that again. Right. So this is really their only option. I mean, Android TV and Apple TV make a lot of sense because they're platform agnostic and they have right. everything on them. 
Switch would be a very, you know, it's interesting. It would be very fascinating to me to see that happen, especially in conjunction with sort of the rumors about an Xbox Live uh, element coming to Switch, because you're really starting to disintegrate the entire idea of console wars at that point. Really? I mean, we're already there kind of, aren't we? Pretty much. But like, if, if this happened, it's like, wh- who are you fighting about at that point? Like, is, you know... Everybody clearly realizes that they're stronger together in terms of like surviving whatever weird economic shifts might hit this industry or whatever. You know, who knows? You know, and I feel like all three of them um, remember the, the you know the mid '90s when a new player came in and changed the whole game, and it, everybody spent the you know the people that everybody thought were was invincible spent the next 15 years catching up to Sony, and um, that could happen again. I mean, it didn't happen with Stadia, obviously. But if Google had had a brain in its head approaching that thing, they, if they just made a console that and, and threw a lot of money at people to put everything exclusively on it, they could have really changed things. And I think you've seen the big three starting to realize that they are vulnerable. Uh, and maybe it's time for them to all recognize each other as sort of the grand the granddaddies of gaming right now and sort of close ranks a little bit. Yeah, because at the end of the day, they almost need to band together so that mobile and things like yeah. that don't start eating their lunch right and i mean like, they need to protect and you've the got these other companies that are just so monolithic and huge like you know if if just if jeff bezos decided he wanted amazon to control console gaming for whatever reason it would no he could snap his fingers and yeah. it would happen overnight mm-hmm. i mean absolutely i mean and a lot of people trust amazon yeah. so if amazon put out a console and i mean like would nintendo go away no i mean obviously no. there would still be there would still be market space for all three of those companies but they would never rule the, the roost again. Yeah. Uh, some of the other things that PlayStation asked about in its survey was a portable DualShock 4, a smaller portable mm-hmm. DualShock 4, which I would assume that that's just so that when you are using remote play yeah. out on the road, you don't have to haul along your chunky DualShock. Yeah. Although I feel like the DualShock 4 is pretty portable already. It is, already. yeah. It's, it's not a huge, you know, it's no Duke, you know? No, no. I would want it just to have it like a cute mm. little small DualShock 4 like I would probably buy one even if I didn't want to use it for remote play or anything like that it would just be cool to have kind of a miniaturized version probably would do really well in Japan as well if, now that you think about it um, some of the other things that I asked about was expanded uh, um, oh the ability to use other controllers like Xbox One controllers or a keyboard Keyboard, whatever. Mm. Xbox One controller, though, to play remote play with. Yeah. I mean, the walls are just crumbling down. It's like John Cougar Mellencamp. I, mean, I certainly prefer using the Elite, so I would I would be interested in that. Yeah. Um, and then some other stuff was a little more obscure. Remote play security. Like, I don't know what kind of protocols they have in place right now mm-hmm. for remote play. I'm guessing they're not amazing. Probably not. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those ideas that they got up and running, and then they're like, okay, well, let's put some layer of security over it. But I think they're asking if people want more um, exclusive remote play only content in games. So, content in games that you could only experience if you were using it via remote play. Now, at first, I hate that idea. So, I'm like, look, I want to have access to all the content, whether I'm using remote play or not. But then I start thinking about like Pac-Man versus that for GameCube mm-hmm. with all the GBAs, and if that's what they're talking about, that kind of stuff, then yeah, yeah. then I'm all over entirely it. around it. Right? Yeah. Then I'm I'm cool with that. But if they're saying like, hell, bring Pac-Man versus back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's awesome. But if they're saying no, this is just normal mm-hmm. content that could be in the console version, but we're going to hold it for 
Remote play, then no. That's mm-hmm. where I would draw the line on that. Um, but something like so maybe like being able to play like like the Jackbox like remotely if you're waiting in line somewhere and everybody's got a phone or a switch or whatever and you can just do that if someone's PS5 is on. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. That could be a, a really good sort of line time killing sort of wait around thing. Yep. Um, there's element, yeah, and, and that was obviously be something that you maybe wouldn't use. I would be fine if there was a remote play only Jackbox pack, you know, yeah. like something like that. Like, yeah, certain games are just made for it, yeah. really. If you make me play Last of Us 3 on remote play, then we have a problem. <laughs> or two. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then another thing that they asked about was being able to partake in remote play without your PlayStation 4 being connected to the internet. Interesting. How does that work? Which my guess is they would stream the game from PlayStation Now to guess. to your handheld device instead of streaming it from your own console. Yeah, that seems like a direct response to Stadia. Which it I, definitely which does. Which I don't think is necessary. I don't either. Point. And I I mean, I just think... But that it, was that, a, it was a big survey, so you might as well ask everything. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think that's kind of its response. Hey, this is something we could do to kind of combat that. Not needed. Uh, and then the final big one, and maybe the biggest of biggest of all, is access to PlayStation One and PlayStation Two games. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like Sony may be thinking about using remote play for backwards compatibility in some way. Mm-hmm. How do you think that would work? I mean, I figure it would work like Stadia or PlayStation Now. I mean, that's basically how they're doing PS3 games already. Yeah. So. If they don't want to make them native hardware compatible, that would be a way to do it. I would prefer that not be how they do it. Um, I'd rather just stick a disc in or buy a, a cheap digital copy of a PS2, PS1 game and play it that way. Yeah. But I mean, one thing you could say about those games in particular, they, they're good streaming candidates because they're not sending as much data probably mm-hmm. as other games. I mean, you're still going to run into the speed of light problem. Yeah. It's, for sure. Uh, I mean, I guess. Can't be physics. To some point, it's kind of better than nothing, I guess. I mean, just, I don't know, just remake Colony Wars already. <laughs> Will any of this stuff uh, reinvigorate your interest in remote play? No. None of it. I don't I don't care about doing that. Also, like, if you're talking about PlayStation 5, especially if you're talking about PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X or whatever, why in the world would I want to play that on some tiny little screen on, a, on an airplane or whatever when I just wait till I get home and play it the way it's supposed to be played? Well, I mean, it's the same question you could ask of Stadia or... I mean, I do, and do. my yeah. answer remains no. I'm going to wait till I get home and play it properly. Like, I mean, that was a pro- that's a problem I had with Switch. Of all that, I mean, I, I could play Breath of the Wild somewhere else, but like, why wouldn't I just wait till I get home and play it on my big nice TV with a surround sound and everything? I mean, I I, I think these games are worth experiencing in the best situations possible in terms of presentation, and uh, I have no interest in playing them like. You know, on tiny screens or in weird locations or glaring, you know, glaring at it to try and see it through the sun or whatever. Like, I don't care about doing that because I don't, I don't need to be playing games at all times. You know, like I, if I'm out, like if I need like to waste some time waiting for something when I'm out and about, like I will read a book on my my Kindle app on my phone or I'll look at Twitter or something. Like I don't need to play Spider Man Two at the drop of a hat on a screen the size of my hand. Like, that's just not a thing I care about. What if you... But put yourself aside for a second. What if people could just use their existing mobile phones for this Mm -hmm. and they can access their entire PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5 library on their mobile phone anywhere they want and play the games? Do you think that's a selling point for people? Maybe. I mean, I can't speak for other people. I would never, ever want to do that. Yeah. Like, I mean, especially because it's not that convenient. It's like, okay, so 
I either have to figure out a way to play this game that's supposed to use a DualShock 5 on a cell phone, or I have to carry the portable DualShock 4 with me, and now I've got that in my pocket. Like, it just, it's, it doesn't fit my existence in any way. Like, and I don't know if that's, you know, I'm not saying my existence is the end-all be-all of what the marketing viability of that idea is. Well, I would argue like, that a lot of the things that you've said about Stadia have been borne out, yeah. that a lot of people agree with you and they're not interested. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that you're speaking from some strange corner. Maybe not. I mean, I still consider this whole idea not as bad as Stadia, but it's still a, it's a, still a solution in search of a problem. Like, I just don't, I don't see people out in the streets jonesing to play a PlayStation game at any given second. Like, I just don't think that that's a demand anybody has. A lot of it depends on your lifestyle. Yeah. If, if you're spending a lot of time on trains, things like that, it changes. Sure. Like, I don't play handhelds hardly at all anymore. But back when I used to fly a lot, back when I used to travel a lot for work, I yeah. played my handhelds well, a I used, lot. I used to have my 3DS pretty, pretty regularly. I mean, partly because of Street Pass. I thought that was an yeah, neat was feature. Cool. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed yeah. seeing who I'd run into. Um, but also, like, the 3DS didn't need any infrastructure. Yep. Like, I didn't need a reliable internet connection. I didn't need to make sure my PlayStation Consoles at home connected was somewhere. connected somewhere. I didn't mean to make sure that someone didn't accidentally turn it off or let it go to sleep. or something. You know, Like, it's just a, there's a lot more there. There's something, you know, I am, there's much less barrier to me from I'm going to pull this, you know, clamshell handheld out of my pocket and play some Phoenix Wright on a plane versus, like, well, I hope the PlayStation's up and the network's good and no one else is trying to play it right now and I can get like the connection and the Wi-Fi and this it's like at a certain point it's just like I'm just gonna wait until I get home because you're just pissing me off like I've tried to do I tried to do remote play a couple times with my Vita because around the time Destiny 1 came out because I was like I wasn't gonna bring my PlayStation up north for Christmas but I had my Vita so I'm like oh I'll just play that remotely and I won't miss out on whatever's going on and it didn't fucking work ironically what we're seeing right now is a trailer that PlayStation released specifically to, to show, market to show Destiny, Destiny yeah. on remote play. It never worked well enough to play it properly. Yeah, I mean, well, think about it. They, this was something that they focused on, and they still yeah. couldn't get it right. And I didn't even like want to play like you know fully played, sit down and play Destiny for an hour on my Vita remotely. I just wanted to log in, see stuff, see the Christmas event, like participate a little bit, kill the things I needed to do to get the base you know, participation for the dang and log out. And I couldn't even do that. Yeah. And also it was not fun to play because the, the Vita didn't have enough buttons and they kept, you had to, you had to pick with the touch screen right. on the back yeah. became the shoulder buttons or whatever. And it was terrible. Yeah. Um, like, I don't, and it's just like, it's not, again, I realize I am not the use case for everything, but like, I don't need to play video games all the time. Yeah. Like, I don't need that. <laughs> like, that's not, who I am, really, believe yeah. it or not, even though I sit here for three hours a week <laughs> and talk about it. But, like, like if I can just read some read a book on my phone or I can, like, talk to another person or, te- you know, just, it's, nev- it's never been a thing that's ever entered my mind. Like, sitting waiting for a haircut or waiting for a, a train or whatever or, or in line for whatever, like, or a movie. I've never thought, like, oh, I wish I could play Nino Cooney 2 right now. It's just like, it's not, it's like, it doesn't, I don't know, I guess I compartmentalize things more than some people, maybe more than younger people do, um, because they just want everything to constantly flow somehow. Yeah. But I also don't, I know, I'm friends with people in their 20s, and they don't do that either, so I don't know. Like, like what's, it's you know, streaming a game from my PlayStation is not more entertaining than talking to this, the person I'm out with, or the people I know on text, or whatever, I guess it's, it's just, it's, it would never enter my mind to want to do that. Interesting. I, th- I think it does enter a lot of people's minds. And I think that's why mobile gaming has become big, is that people mm. are like, they don't have a way to do what this does 
in a in a functional way, mm-hmm. and so they're turning the to infra- mobile games. The infrastructure thing is the biggest hurdle yeah. to me, like making it work smoothly, reliably, and fast. Yep. Is you know, and I'm just I am often enough somewhere where I'm like I can't even get my text messages to send, <laughs> let alone stream a PlayStation game yeah. wherever I am. Yeah. I, I'll say this though, I was. It might be impressed. more viable else other else places other than America than the United States. I, we we have a pretty terrible infrastructure in that regard. Yeah, um, I've been pretty impressed with some mobile games lately. They're like Call of Duty Mobile. I can play that on a four G connection with one bar, mm. and it, like no lag. So they're making strides towards that end. Do you think that? But at least that's running locally on right. the hardware you're holding right. in your you're hand. Right. Like yep. that's a, it makes a big difference. Absolutely. So based upon everything we just discussed, do you think that remote play is something Sony should even be pursuing for PlayStation 5? I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea to keep your eye on it for, for them. But, like, what was that survey we looked at last last week where, like, streaming games was pretty low? Low, yeah. Um, so maybe it's probably not going to save you yeah. when it comes to it. I think do you think it'll be a necessary feature you kind of have to check a box, though? No. No? Not yet. Maybe one day? Yeah. Um, but not right now. I don't think so. I do think pursuing the Switch... Not that they don't have it. They do have it already. I do think pursuing the Switch thing might be interesting just in terms of what that could lead to in terms of dealing with Nintendo in a different way, in a way they haven't in a long time, especially since Nintendo holds grudges and (laughs) uh, some people there are probably still mad about (laughs) about the Super Nintendo CD and how that all worked out. I mean, I'll be honest. A lot of those people are gone now. True. They passed away or they moved on. I mean, yeah, Yama, Nintendo's different now. Yamauchi would never let that shit. Oh fly. no! Um, <laughs> he give, he slap him with the pimp hand, the backhand. Yeah. But I don't think, and it was strong. Yes, he, he had was, a strong he, yes. pimp hand. Absolutely. Um, I but I think it would be a, an interesting thing to explore for them just to see where it went. Because yeah. who knows? Like obviously, Microsoft and Nintendo have uh, struck a pretty good rapport up. Uh, even you know, we'll see where that leads. But it's an, it's always in, more interesting to have the big three kind of talking to each other in that regard because I, I feel like you're not going to get like a Microsoft Sony partnership or anything because they are in direct competition. But Nintendo kind of functions on the fringes, and I don't think they're a threat to anyone in terms of what Microsoft and Sony are trying to do. And it couldn't hurt to kind of you know look into that a little bit. Does it become a selling point for Switch if that happens? Could be. It yeah. could. I mean, look if you're if you have a switch, and I you know it's like buying a Vita. Yeah, I mean, you, maybe you maybe you don't want to play it elsewhere, you know, on the go. But like, if you don't have a PlayStation, but if you get a Switch and pay a little fee, and you can play the PlayStation exclusives on your Switch, like that's a pretty great thing. I mean, suddenly you have a Vita too. Let's yeah. be honest. I mean, that's exe- ex- essentially what it would be because yeah. I'm sure Sony has no appetite for launching another handheld. So no. it's like you know what. Nintendo owns that market. And look, the more people that get to play these really great games Sony makes, the better. And if yep. that's a way to do it, that for, especially for people who would never want to drop the money on a PlayStation just for those exclusives, great. So more you're people saying get to that play maybe if you had the Switch, you could actually buy PlayStation games from your Switch? Or, like, stream them somehow. So, interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. So That would obviously be a different deal than what they're talking oh, yeah. about here. But I feel like that comes up naturally during the discussion. Yeah, that could be huge. Because think about it. You could play all the PlayStation 5 first party stuff mm-hmm. without ever buying a PlayStation right. 5. But it's obviously it's not going to look as good as it yeah, would yeah. on PS5. So it's not like the PS5 doesn't have an Values advantage there or value yeah. to you. Like that's, that's a discussion I feel like they could have. I don't know if it would lead to anything, but who knows? Like, Yeah, how does that cut work out then? Because you know, you know, Nintendo... I don't know. Like that's a... That's a that's an Nintendo whole Sony different discussion. <laughs> Not my issue. I don't have to decide that one. Yeah. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm just thinking in terms, you know, that's obviously a very consumer-friendly idea, so it probably would never happen. 
But uh, I like the idea of more people being able to play these really good games. I think yep. that's that's uh, that can only be good for Bitcoin, <laughs> as, they, <laughs> as the kids say. Yeah, so maybe there's more opportunity here than we initially thought. And that's why we talk this stuff out, because sometimes we end up coming to places where when the conversation begins, you never dreamed you would end up mm-hmm. making it there. And that's what we just did with this. The cut, though, I mean, because at that point, Nintendo is basically just like a Steam or whatever to mm-hmm. PlayStation. It's just a marketplace where people can buy its games. So you figure Nintendo gets a 25 30% cut. It seems to be about standard. For you think PlayStation's things? happy with that? I mean, if, if you're talking about someone who, like, isn't otherwise going to ever play it. Yeah. Like, that's how you got to look at it. You got to look at it as, like, according a market that would, other, would never drop the money it would cost to buy your console, but are going to drop some money to play your game. Yeah. And, and Switch is already and look, gigantic. I'm not, saying it's, I'm, not, yeah, and I'm not saying it's likely or even anything that Sony would necessarily consider, but if they're putting exclusives on PC, it's not that different. We also have to think about it. It's like they don't have to spend any money. They don't yeah. have to develop a different version of these games or anything like that. They're just the same. It's just mm-hmm. sent through the wires to Nintendo Switch. You're basically just sending that video signal. This could actually work. I mean, Good. it could work. Absolutely. And PlayStation's like, these Nintendo fans... They're not buying our console. They're going to buy a Nintendo platform, and they're going to play whatever Nintendo puts out. But if they have the option to play our big stuff, mm-hmm. we're going to make 70% off of that sale. But that 70%, we would have had zero before. So it's pretty interesting. Like, it could actually work for both sides and be effective and lucrative for both sides. So I wouldn't write that off, honestly. Mm-hmm. It could actually very well happen. All the other stuff, smaller controller, cool, novelty, kind of this collectible thing maybe um access to ps1 ps2 games i think some people would care about that i mean i care about it and it's not in that form yeah i'd rather have it on the system yeah or as part of like playstation now or they might just mean like it will be on the system but would would you be interested in having that also be part of this the remote play right thing like just because it's this because you can buy ps1 or play ps1 or ps2 games on the ps5 doesn't mean that they would be that element would be supported in a remote play so that's probably what they're asking there yeah but imagine if you owned a switch right now and you could play this game horizon zero dawn on your switch and yet streaming and it doesn't look as good as it does on a ps4 pro or whatever but But you get to play it that's right and it's a great game no matter what Mm -hmm. so if you're not a graphics whore something like this could be a boon Save you four or five hundred dollars that you wouldn't have to pay for a piece of hardware for a slightly inferior mm. experience. But hey, if you if you end up liking Sony stuff a lot, you might start thinking about it. You wonder too though if Nintendo would look at it like, uh, wait a minute. So you're going to let people play games on Switch that look way better. And let's be honest, even they still yeah they, they still would, would still look way better than any Switch game. That's maybe a concern for Nintendo. That it has to be oh, like, well, maybe. <laughs> these other games make our games look like crap. Although, like, it hasn't hurt them yet. No? Yeah. So. Yeah, people, I think, have just accepted at this point that that's just kind of what Nintendo is at this point. Yeah, Nintendo's yeah. always going to be about a gen behind. Yeah? Te- with tech. Yeah. yeah. But with ideas, they're generally a step ahead, and their games are some of the best. So I think everybody knows that already, and that's where what the that's the data that they use to help make their purchase decisions. Yeah. So we'll see. Shouldn't be much longer to wait. That PlayStation 5 event should be it's coming up. It's supposed to be like tomorrow? Yeah. Like, we should get some information. Like I feel, like, feel like they would have said something if it was actually tomorrow. And right? most importantly, that gives us a topic for next week's show. Right. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're going to continue talking about Nintendo, kind of, uh, and Nintendo Mobile, kind of. Um, this week, 
Nintendo to me spit the bit on mobile. So we all know Nintendo has had not has not had tremendous success on mobile. It's done okay. Uh, Super Mario Run did okay. Mm-hmm. Didn't probably sell as much as I thought it would, even knowing that a premium price was going to hold it back. Um, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp has been kind of a disaster. Certainly not up to what you would expect an Animal Crossing to do. Yeah. Um, And so that's been a bit of a disappointment. Um, But one mobile game that has done very well for Nintendo right out of the gate is Fire Emblem Heroes. And it makes sense. It's a turn-based strategy Mm -hmm. RPG. It works on mobile perfectly, in fact, I would argue. It adapted to the, the general mobile formula better than any of the others. It did. And it consequently was very, mm-hmm. very successful. And it has a deep enough character roster from the 30 or 40 years of its existence that you can constantly do loot box, get this character stuff, and you never run out. And the other thing, and look, I haven't played much of this, but the other thing about this franchise in particular is that generally you can play it where you have permadeath. Mm-hmm. Where you can lose a warrior and never get him back. So I don't even know if they... That is not a thing. It's not a thing in this? Not that I know of. Well, but that, I haven't played it a lot. That would My guess would be that's the next slimy thing that Nintendo is going to do for this game. Hmm. Because this week it announced that it is going to have a brand new monthly pass called the Fe Pass. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's not a great acronym, but uh, here we are. <laughs> Fe. So for 10 dollars a month ten dollars a month mm-hmm. for a pass for a mobile game so let's just do the math on that it's matt bold strategy cotton that's a hundred and twenty dollars a year it's actually like nine dollars and 49 cents so mm-hmm. it works out to like a hundred and thirteen whatever change per year uh PlayStation Resplendent Heroes. <laughs> PlayStation Plus is sixty dollars a year. Yep. You get probably Resplendent. <laughs> you get like twenty vocab words in my mobile game. What is this? <laughs> it's Resplendent. More like the SAT Ascendant. pass. <laughs> <It is. laughs> so for a hundred and thirteen dollars, you could get both Xbox Live and PlayStation Plus. And still have some dollars left over to buy, like, another indie game. All the while, you're getting free games all year from PlayStation Plus and Xbox Mm. Live. The the value proposition of this is insane. So you figure, okay, if they're going to charge $10 a month, it must be awesome. Like, what they're going to give you must be awesome. And it's not. It's resplendent. It's resplendent ascendance. That's all you're getting for your $10 a month. And what that means is you get two characters a month. What in the world are those belts holding together? Like I don't there's know. No, like, I don't know what that's doing. They're holding together the lock, Matt. I guess. <laughs> so you get two characters per month. I'll, I'll just go on the rundown. and we're gonna, This video will also kind of detail everything that you get. But you get two heroes per month. Uh, you get new in-game quests for rewards that only subscribers get. Um, so you're going to get some elite gear, basically, is my guess. And you're going to have quests there to, to get it. It's going to expand summoner support to three characters. It's going to let you roll back turns, hmm. which is something you cannot do if you do not do not pay. Interesting. So if you pay, you can only go back one turn, but you can go back a turn and change what you did and change the outcome if you want to, if you pay. The thing is, I've never – I mean, I – 
have never wanted to do that, really. I, I mean, mean, most people who have played this game, here's the thing. The combat have played is, uh, the, the, it all this time without spending a penny, and right. it's fine. And but, the battles in this are like, you just if you fail, you just do it again. Like, it's not... Sometimes you gotta wait again, wait a while for your your characters to heal or whatever. But well, like, it depends on if you pay or not, right? Not necessarily. A lot of that that uh, quality of life stuff you get if you're actually paying. Right, but I I'll, I've never paid for anything. I just wait. But right, you have to wait. I don't care. Like, but know. here's the thing. So once this pass, I'm not Pactor when it comes. No, to this I, shit. I get it. But once this pass comes out, they're changing things about the free version that mm. will make it nearly impossible to play it the way you always have. Uh, the, the annoy me until I give you money situation. Exactly. That's exactly what it's doing. Also, you're going to... Uh, well, exactly what Nintendo said they weren't going to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're going back on everything. But I think what it's realized is that its initial ideas around mobile were terrible and were mm. never going to work. Um, an well, auto I, I, like, I think they worked okay. They just didn't work the way ever, like the worst ideas work. You know, like... There's a point. It has to be a point at which Nintendo says, "Like we could be making a lot more on this." Well, if, I think that's we, what's happening. If we played it, if we played it straight, basically, and that's what they're about to do. That's what's happening. Yeah. Is they're they're making money. They're making oodles of money. This was its most successful mobile game, and it's done this to its most successful mobile game. So it's saying, "Yeah, we're making money, but we're looking at like ten cent and what all these other companies are making, and we're like in last place. So we need to do something." And I do admire that Nintendo tried initially with its mobile games to try to do something different, but... But it turned out there's a reason they're all like that. Exactly. And a lot of people... I've learned that some of those lessons with Sifted, like when we first built Sifted, and a lot of the stuff we're doing for Sifted 2.0, I'll just fully admit here right now, is making the site like every other website, instead of this like crazy idea that we had to do something differently. Some of the changes coming in the new site, a lot of people are going to look at it and be like, yeah, that's the way every website is. So... Mm. Sometimes you can outdo yourself a little bit by trying to be too cute or too creative or too innovative. and But I don't think that's what's happening here. I think this is just a total like greed cash grab. Because Nintendo's old model was successful. It was making a lot of money on its mobile games. It just wasn't making enough money. Yeah, this definitely seems, games. to me, this really feels like, well, let's see if they go for this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so there's an auto grind feature that people who pay are only going to be able to access. Um, there's already loot boxes in the game. There have been loot boxes all along. The, oh, yeah. ga- the game was shut down in Belgium over its loot boxes. Oh, so yeah. I mean, the, the gotcha uh, model is strong in this game. Yeah, and Nintendo has been pushing that model all along, and it's saying this ain't good enough. Like we need to milk our users for more. To be what? fair, they are pretty generous. Like I, I've never bought any of them, but I do get them when like they give them for free, or like for an event, or like you get. They're pretty generous, with them. and I've gotten some good five star stuff out of. Them. I mean, they yeah. don't, they don't like give you like it's not like the .04 chance of getting the good thing. So that's what's going to change. Yeah, those numbers are going to be drastically changed. Mm. Um, well, that's a shame. It is. Um, so yeah, they're cutting off some content that used to be free and that's going to be rolled into the $10 a month subscription. Keep in mind that this game has generated already $656 million USD, more than every other Nintendo mobile game combined. Do you think this is smart? If it works. First, first let's, let's take that from two angles. Is it smart financially? Is it smart from a fan's perspective and impacting your brand? Um... I really don't know. I feel like this audience is different than normal. Like, does it make me? I mean, I play it very casually. I pop it. I pop it open once in a while just to like see how it's going and like cash in like my, my free boxes or whatever to see who I get. I don't even really care who I get. I just want to see who I get. Um, 
this is kind of a, this is definitely a turn off to me uh, if they're going to change that if it's not going to be as friendly in that regard. But people who have like play this all the time obsessively, I know a couple people who play this. This is like the only game they play. I know it's um, huge. I don't know. I haven't talked to either of them about uh, how they feel about this. Um, I feel like one of them is going to just subscribe and continue pushing forward. You know, like that's my point. She already spends a lot of money on the boxes to begin with. So. The, what bothers me the most about this is that it w- is doing it now. Because what Nintendo has done is it's allowed the, it's it's bait and switch. It's it's put the game out. It's been very consumer friendly. It's been free to play. It got all these people hooked on the game, and now Nintendo's like, "Oh, you guys all love this game. It's the only game you play." Mm-hmm. As you just said, well, guess what? We're gonna start squeezing you guys for more money. Yeah. And some people are so into it's just it's dirty. And I really based upon how Nintendo started. On mobile, I really didn't think it would get to this, but well, clearly, uh, if they if, if they had to tone down Animal Crossing, Tom Nook had to do something else. <laughs> so he be, was put in charge of strategy for uh, Fire Emblem Heroes. It, that that could very well be. Uh, do you think that this is the model that Nintendo is going to follow going forward in mobile? If it works, yeah, I think it is. I think this is just the way. It's I think their only their only problem here going forward is finding another property that works as well with this model as Fire Emblem does. Um, and I would argue that you're, if I were them, my next uh, I, maybe I wouldn't make it global because I think it's more popular just in Japan. But my next move would be Advan- Advance Wars. Hmm, that's um, perfect for mobile. Well, I think you basically need to you just reskin this for that. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would do is uh, F Zero. Hmm. I would do a Mario. See, Kart I hated Mario Kart thing. on mobile, and I love Mario Kart, and I could not stand it on mobile. Right, but I think I would tweak F Zero and try to try to tweak the model and make it work, and like come up with all the different cars and all the different upgrades and all the. I mean, you can make like, a lot of money off yeah. of F Zero for um, sure. In that regard, I would just because part of the problem with with I think Mario Kart and how it translated to mobile is how much it doesn't replicate the Mario Kart experience. But the Mario Kart experience has a lot more nuance to it than the F Zero experience. The power sliding and everything. Um, yeah, yeah. Power, you know, F Zero is pretty much just turning and hopping and, and, and repairing. And uh, I, th- I think you can get away with with uh, that with simplifying F-Zero more than you could with Mario Kart because Mario Kart has all the items and all the, you know, there's just more to it. So I, makes, I think it would make sense to, to try to take F-Zero and turn that model into something you can do with a racing game. Yep. I see some people in chat saying that uh, they're saying the version of, uh, the original version of Fire Emblem Heroes is not changing. That is not true. Go research it. Uh, they're changing the percentages to get gear. So some of the gear that you're able to get without spending any money before, and you needed to be lucky in some cases to get it. Like you needed to yeah. hit like that two out of 100 chance. Like now it's like that odd, the odds of getting that are even lower, meaning mm-hmm. you're probably never going to get that stuff that you were lucky to get before in the old model. Um, I did a lot of research on this, and you can say I'm wrong if you want, but that means everybody's wrong because I literally read like five articles that said the same exact thing. So if you can find one person that says that's untrue, I'll accept it, but they better be a good source. But anyway, I hope that Nintendo isn't going to follow this model with its mobile games, but at the same time, I feel like I've kind of shut down Nintendo on mobile anyway. I've tried all its products. I Pokemon Go, I don't really consider that Nintendo's game for some weird reason. Well, because it's just a reskinned Niantic game. Yeah. It's, it's just... Uh, uh, and that obviously is just Ingress. Huge. But, I mean, they've, they've evolved it a lot, obviously. It's like, and I still pop that open when I'm, like, you know, at a theme park, usually, because like, there's usually a lot of stuff to look around and catch and see Pokemon stops everywhere. But, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't really play any mobile games regularly anymore. No, neither. So. I generally, I download them. I play them for a couple hours to talk about mm-hmm. on the show, the big ones that our audience cares about, and then I never touch them again. And then, then like eight months later, I'll be looking at my phone and I'll be like, oh, I haven't deleted that yet, and then I'll delete it. And that's pretty much how my mobile gaming goes. Yeah, I mean, I still open this and Pokemon Go and uh, Elder Scrolls Blades probably more often than anything else. And that's about it. Yeah. Every, once in a while, every once in a while, I look at that Transformers Earth Wars game when they update it. And it was, that was the game that one time a couple years ago I decided I'm going to put – I'm going to – for a week, I am going to put no limits on my spending on this game. I'm just going to spend whatever I want to spend. <laughs> I'm going to be a whale for a yeah, week. I'm going to be a whale for a week. And it wasn't any more fun. No. Like, it didn't make it any better. It was just – it was the same kind of boring, but it happened faster, and I lost <laughs> a lot of money. And, like, I was like, that's <laughs> – I, and I'm still, yeah, I'm just like, I'm going to throw $100 at this. I'm just going to get boxes and boxes until I get all the Dinobots and like, get all the characters I want. I didn't get anyone that I wanted. Uh, out of like 100 loot boxes. It was nothing. It was that's like, how it goes. And so I'm like, no, this is not, you did not press that dopamine button in my brain enough, and I'm going to step away. Yeah. And so, yeah, I tried it once with the, with the thing that should have been the easiest thing to hook me because it's my thing, Transformers. And if, uh, if that didn't work, that didn't work. Nothing nothing's going to work for you. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Yep. So I, I, and I, I like, you know, I, the problem is like finding one I think Not is even fun. resplendent no. <laughs> ascension. Give me a resplendent menasaur and we'll talk about it. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, the ones that I think are fun are the ones that, you know, and I think Elder Scrolls Blades is kind of fun. Um, I think uh, this is fun sometimes, but it gets very repetitive. Um, I thought Mario Run was fun. I played that a lot when I was recovering from surgery in 2018. That was yeah. a nice game to have. It was very reliable. It was always right there. Just moved like that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't get hooked on these things. So I don't Me either really... at all. I don't know. I'm lucky. I guess I don't have that, that you, recessive gene. That... You, don't, you don't have the mobile gene. Yeah. It's like, I think a lot of it too. And I hate to say this. I think a lot of it too is like, it's gambling. Like how much does gambling resonate with you? Somewhat, but also like, like it doesn't for me, but it's also not even that it's, it's like MMOs to me where it's like, I, they're not fun. Like, the, the gameplay isn't fun. Like, I don't like playing this game. And that has nothing to do with gambling in MMOs, because usually MMOs right, don't have right. that. It's just like, if I'm not enjoying this moment to moment, I'm not going to keep playing it very long. And mobile games have that problem because I don't think they're very – most of them aren't very fun. And certainly the ones that rely on the more gambling-oriented mechanics – don't care if they're fun. Yeah, you know, I've worked with, I've worked on a couple of projects like that, and like, believe me, they ain't trying to make fun games. They're trying to make games that take your money away. Absolutely. So, and I don't blame them for that. Sure, if I mean, that, it if works. You're dumb enough to fall for it, that's your fault. And the percentages <laughs> of who you need to hook out of like your so total small. audience is so crazy small. Like, yeah. yes, it's of course everybody does it because it's an extremely viable business model, but it doesn't make a good game. Yep. Yeah. I've, I've sat in meetings about. Game design went for, went for hours, and no one ever said the phrase "good game." Yeah, they're not trying to do that. No, yeah, I don't. I think Nintendo does try to do that to some degree. I, I think, think it does. Maybe that's why it hasn't been as successful. Possible. <laughs> well, because the 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 mechanics that make a game good at taking your money, and the mechanics that make a game good at making you have fun, are generally rather in a opposition. Yeah, they're not the same thing. Not the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't I don't like gambling. I know people are like, oh, you play fantasy football. It, fantasy football, you have some control over it. It is technically, it's not even called gambling. It's right. called a skill-based game. Like everybody I know 
who I know away from games who are just like really into sports and football, they all bet on sports like hardcore. Mm-hmm. Like when I went home for the holidays, my friends in Pennsylvania, they they bet on every game. Like they'll sit and watch college football all day and bet on like Bethany Cook University versus like Dover. And I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, I got 150 on. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like I've never got caught up in gambling yeah. or any of that crap. And I think people who are predisposed to that kind of gotcha element um, are also kind of the same people who re- who could likely get hooked on gambling in one form or Uh-oh. another. Tomb Raiders 11 is reporting that Michael Pactor is reporting that Dan Hauser is leaving Rockstar. What? What? How can, he, how can you leave Rockstar? <laughs> he is Rockstar. Pactor says on Twitter, uh, he's quoting someone, after an extended break beginning in the spring of 2019, Dan Hauser, vice president creative, uh, creative at Rockstar Games, will be leaving the company. Dan Hauser's last day will be March 11th, 2020. Whoa. That almost makes me wonder if he's sick. But whoa, who knows? That is huge. Wow. Hmm. That makes me nervous about the next GTA as well. I mean, that's the company is never going to happen. How do you pay him out? How do you (laughs) give Dan Hauser severance when he leaves rocks? How do you even calculate it? I think you just give him like a... (laughs) A boatload of heroin. Literally, and- <laughs> like, you just give him, like, a yacht filled with gold bars? Yeah. Is that what it is? <laughs> like, how do you even mod- How do you even come up to a value of what he's worth to that company? Know. Wow. Like, you're just like, can we, can we still call you? Like, it's just like, I, I don't wow. know. Like, Thanks, I, chat, for uh, like, dropping that on like us. That's not going to be, that's um, not going to be a, a, the same company anymore. Oh, it's news coming out of Take-Two's financial earnings report. Mm. Wow. 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 Oh, I don't blame him, man. Like, he has more money than the next 10 generations yeah. of his family could ever spend. Live life. And he's had it for, like, two decades. Mm-hmm. Like, at this point, he's figured out, like... He made the top-selling video game entertainment ever, product ever. Ever. Done. Like, what else can you Stamp do? Stamp it. Done. Like, go, dude. Go live and your look, life. And look, I mean, it's not... Like, did, have you, did you see that uh, it was a four... It was, like, a montage of... Four shots of the CEO of CD Projekt Red from Witcher 1, Witcher 2, Witcher 3, and Cyberpunk. Yeah. And, like, it's like watching him become his own grandfather over 12 years. Like, game development is hard. Running a company is hard. Oh, I've looked at photos from, like, when I started Sifted and me now. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, my God, I look like a different person. Like, grinding will grind you down. Absolutely. And he's definitely been doing it for a long time. One thing I'll say is, like, I've talked many times about my friend who worked at Rockstar – and one thing he would say is that the Housers were jerks, but they were driven, like, more than you could ever imagine. Like, and this guy's driven, like, my buddy. Like, he's, you know, he came from nothing. He's very successful now. You have to be really driven to do that. Um, and for him to tell me that he came into contact with those guys and he was like, oh, they make me look like a slacker. I was like, oh, okay, I mm-hmm. get it. So um, it, they, they're hard workers and they're really passionate about what they do. And that will burn you the F out. So I get it. Like, I totally get it. I'm really concerned about the quality of Rockstar's games going forward. A lot of times we talk about when a big developer leaves a studio, we're like, oh, you know, they've been there for a while and they have kind of protégés underneath them and they've been mentoring people and those people, like, look at Miyamoto. He doesn't really make games anymore, but he did such a good job with his with the people that he was apprenticing underneath him that they just stepped right in and just took his role over with no problem. 
That's not really the case with the Housers. You know, they had their hands in everything. They weren't doing the grind of development like they did back in when Rockstar and DMA first launched. But they were working on every project. They were like the people who would come in and be like, okay, the mechanics and all that stuff, you guys know that better than we do. But this, this is how we set the tone in this game. Um, these are the types of characters, the settings, the situations we want in this game. And I'll be honest, like that's what sets their games apart. Mm-hmm. It's not just that they're open world games. It's that spe- it's just like Nintendo. It's that special pixie dust that they have that no one else has, and that comes from Dan Hauser. So uh, that makes me really nervous, especially about the next GTA. Like mm-hmm. I can't imagine he would leave before that releases. I can't. So he would if it's got four or five years left in it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like this is there's like five like red flags going up right now hearing this news. Will Rockstar retain creative control with Hauser gone? That's from Tomb Raiders. They should because they've signed those contracts. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a contract that said Dan Hauser has creative freedom. The entity Rockstar Games has creative freedom. Mm-hmm. So any deals that they signed with Take-Two that kind of laid the template down for how Rockstar was going to operate, those are going to stay. They're not going to go away until the contract expires. Now, when that contract expires... Do I have as much faith that whoever's in place for Dan Hauser can negotiate those contracts to the same degree? Hell no. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dan Hauser could walk into just about any studio in this industry and they would give him that kind of leeway. I can't yeah. imagine somebody else coming in and no. And I mean, if they if what they produce doesn't isn't up to par in Take Two's opinion, like you could slowly see their creative independence erode over time. Yeah, and just their creative, the quality of their creative output erode. Mm. This is big news, people. Big, big news. Holy moly. But I don't blame them again. Like, dude, just go enjoy life. Yeah. Work on pet projects. Absolutely. Something that you've always wanted to do, but you couldn't because you were neck deep in video game development. Like, Hmm. I'm sure he has a laundry list of things that he wants to do. He may start like a movie studio. I wouldn't be surprised if he did that at all. Or if he started a new studio kind of like Kojima... That's just a media company that they can do anything out of. They can release games out of it. They can release films. They can release television shows. Um, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I do think that Dan Hauser will probably move outside of games at least for a little bit, though. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, the next thing that he announces, hey, I have this new production company and we're making a film. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's the first Grand Theft Auto film either. So I would. You would be? I would expect that what he'd want to make would be something he owns completely. It depends on what the split is like. If it's acrimonious, I could absolutely see him doing GTA. Because mm. he would want what I he would... want control over that. How this property that he's created is ultimately represented on the silver screen. I don't think so. Because I, I don't think, first off, I don't think there ever will be a GTA movie. Second, because GTA is just a pastiche of other movies. It is. Like, you're, like yeah. there's no reason to go backwards on that. Well, I think to make a lot of money. <laughs> maybe. Like, that doesn't... Lots of money in game sales has never translated too well and lots of money in the box office. Yeah. And we're about to see whether that's true again or not, uh, true or not again on the 14th when Sonic the Hedgehog the movie comes <laughs> out. Um, but I think if you're Dan Hauser, Dan Hauser and his brother have clearly, you know, styled themselves as and consider themselves to be very creative, independent people... If I was if I was Dan Hauser and I was leaving Rockstar, leaving this thing I'd built, leaving GTA, leaving all this stuff I'd established to um, 
Everyone's to gone. Establish I saw Leslie Benzies. Like, he's to es- gone. To establish my own production company, I would be wanting to work on my own stuff. There. He wrote this. Yeah. Like, Dan, Dan Hazard wrote all of them. Like, he's, he's credited know. in writing for everything. I know. And work. Leslie, who's been there for... He's gone. Like, their yeah. their whole brain trust at Rockstar is gone. Yeah. GTA 6 is going to be made by a very different group of people. Yeah. So. That's scary. Yeah. All their games from now on. I mean, they did this stuff for Red Dead for all this stuff. Like... I mean, wow. if you think about it, though, GTA Five, then Red Dead Two, like that's called going out on top. Yeah, you can't beat it. Can't argue with that. <laughs> you really can't. You're right. Maybe he's just like I can't this, top this. And so. at this time, with that amount of money, with it, with this, these amount of accomplishments, at, at the age he's at, maybe you're just looking at the monolith that is GTA Six development, and you're just like, I don't want to do this again. Yeah, like it, I can't. Just be I can't at blame. That mountain. Yeah, I can't blame anyone for do it for wanting to not do that again. Yeah. It's true. And Rockstar is not shy about saying, yeah, we crunch. <laughs> yes. Rockstar is yes. like, we crunch. Deal with it. That's how it goes. And the Housers are there, right there with they them. They are. Yeah. So. Yeah. They absolutely are. They're very passionate and they're hard workers. I mean, so. it's possible that he could be still be like some kind of consultant or like some yeah. like a much easier job. Uh, but Where he phones into like one meeting a week right. or something. If he can yeah. even do that. I don't know. You know, it's hard to, to limit your to pull back like that from yeah. something you care about. Yeah. You um, either it might, have to, it might be better it to fall or yeah, it might be better to cold turkey it yep. um, and just let it go. Yep. So there you go. Dan Hauser leaves Rockstar Games. Definitely the biggest news of 2020 so far. Thanks to the chat for alerting us to that live during the show. That is amazing. That's why we love doing this show on Twitch. You guys make the show better, and there's another example of it. So thanks, guys, in the chat. Um, I'm sure more details will come out about this as time goes on. Mm -hmm. I think we'll find out why eventually. Um, We may actually see an interview with Dan Hauser for the first time, like, ever. Yeah. (laughs) Usually he would only do, like, interviews with, like, big entertainment magazines. He'd never talk to gaming publications. He'd talk to, like, Entertainment Weekly or something like that. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll see him break out and we'll actually see him and hear from him a lot more. Go online and Google him and see how many photos of him come up. Two. Not a lot. Like, literally, like, two images. One was shot by, like, the New York Times. He's like Ike Perlmutter style. It's crazy. Like Ike Perlmutter had no the head of current head of Marvel uh, Marvel Comics had uh, Marvel Entertainment had um, for a long time the the most recent photo anyone had of him was from 1983 yeah and then like a photo was taken of him like during a, a Trump campaign fundraiser like in 2016 and that's like that's how long it was between photos of the man yeah um, this guy is very much like that how Dan Hauser. There is, like, no images. He's done, like, three interviews ever. It's very bizarre. He's managed to live like a recluse despite making the best-selling video game of all time. So kudos to him. Um, It'll be interesting to see if he becomes more private afterwards or if he actually breaks out of his shell a little bit. But I'd love to hear from him. It would be fascinating to talk to that guy sometime. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Warcraft 3 Reforged. We just missed this story with last week's show. Um, The game had come out. But the uproar had not happened until the show mm-hmm. was over. In fact, I think maybe a couple people in chat last week were trying to alert us to some of that stuff while yeah, the show was going on. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then one of the questions in the comments for last week's episode was like, why didn't you guys talk about it? So we're going to talk about it now. Um, so Warcraft 3, the remake, is called Warcraft 3 Reforged. This is a Blizzard product. It released last week, and the game was a complete disaster. Um <laughs> Just a laundry list of issues. The biggest of it being it's just unfinished. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of the stuff I'm going to mention here, it all boils down to the game wasn't done, and they released it anyway. Um, 
So the game was basically unfinished. It's missing features. The file size is gigantic. So when they released this, they replaced the old Warcraft 3 client. So the client that you have to go through now is the one that they launched for this game. So when you download this game now, it used to be like under a meg. Now it's like 40 gigs. <laughs> it's, but it's just, you know, they, they want everyone to go through that, that new client now instead of the old one. It's crazy that the old client was still there, but it was. Uh, but now they swapped and you have to go through this new client. Um, there was no wide monitor support on launch day. Whoops. It, the, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. it would be kind of cool to play a modern game at 4x3. <laughs> Yeah, because it just doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> but I don't think that people who bought this game were, were looking at it that way. They were pretty pissed so was off. It, it didn't support widescreen monitor at all, or didn't support like twenty-one by. It didn't nine. support ultra wide or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and so, but the crazy part is, is the fans just hacked it and built it right. themselves and made it work. Um, <coughs> now, before we get too far into this topic, I do want to say that yesterday, I believe. Um, Blizzard announced that it's, it's giving refunds, no questions asked. So yeah. if you bought this and you're unhappy with it, like everybody else who bought it, you can ask for your money back and they'll just give it back to you. You don't have to explain why. You don't have to go through any rigmarole. They it's, know why. They know why. <laughs> they absolutely know why. Matt, look, aside from the fact that Blizzard botched the release of this game, and I believe if it had spent more time, it probably could have got it to a good place. To me, this is a bigger indictment on Blizzard in general. Like, this is just the type of stuff that Blizzard is doing these days. Yeah, there's an element of, like, what is going on over there? Yes, what is going on over there? What This is not the Blizzard I know. This is not the Blizzard I grew up idolizing. This is not the... The Blizzard you grew up idolizing, all the people that made it what it was are gone now. Well, they all went to Bonfire, right? They all started Bonfire, yeah. Yeah. They've been in business for, what, two years? Two, two, a little over two years. And we still haven't seen anything from them. It's coming. I'm sure it is, but dang. (laughs) Like, maybe they left Blizzard because Blizzard was starting to put them on a real development schedule. Mm. (laughs) And they're like, let's go someplace where we can do the way, things the way we used to do them. Maybe. I mean, we have friends but, who work there, so we have to be the, careful what we say. But the way they they uh, the way they used to do them turned out pretty it worked well. out pretty damn well. Yeah. <laughs> it built. I mean, it built the fan base of all of his products to the point where now there are people who can be disappointed. Mm-hmm. No one's gonna be disappointed if there's no one there in the first place. So you're right. Absolutely. All I can say is they better fucking nail Diablo Four. And I mean, like, how far out is that? Like they said, it what they said it wasn't even Blizzard soon. Yeah. So you're like three years. Yeah. I mean, what does that even mean at this point? Well, who knows? What does Blizzard? That's the thing. What is Blizzard anymore, Matt? Mm. It's not what I have thought it was all along, or have believed it it has been all along. That's gone now. That's completely different. The things that Blizzard is doing now are things the Blizzard that I loved and worshipped growing up would have never done. Do you think that the loss of leadership to Bonfire has something to do with this? It's possible. Like, I don't know the, enough about the internal workings of Blizzard in the last 10 years or so to know. But, like, it sure seems like they aren't making decisions with the kind of the the, the confident strokes that they used to. And even when the backlash hit on Diablo 3's look and how it was too colorful or whatever the hell that was, like, they took it, they made fun of it, they made a, a joke about it in the game, like, and it was fine. It was fine. Like, it was, they knew what they were making, they knew how, how it had to be, and they, yeah, they screwed up on the auction house, but who knows if that was Blizzard or Activision demanding right. that it be in there, but they... And that's the other kind of They fixed this, that right? real fast. Um, 
a little silly, but they did get it. They, you know, they, they, they made Diablo 3 something good. By the time that first ex- that expansion came out, Diablo 3 was a really great game. Yeah. Um, Overwatch, great game. Yeah. Um, I mean, everything. Everything like, it made up until the yeah. last couple of years has been amazing. I it, mean, it's just, it, I don't know. Like, you know it, it, and it's a hard world to navigate these days. The industry changes constantly. You don't know what's, what the next big thing is going to be. Um, or even if, you know, sometimes the next big thing is the exact thing you did, but it wasn't the thing that caught. Yeah. You know? So uh, there's a little bit of everybody scrambling, um, I think, but I don't know. And who knows how how it is working under Activision in an era where these... I these, think you hit the nail on the head right there. Where, where, that where is these, the X factor, is Where you it? don't... You, yeah, well, you don't have these like, kind of luminary people. The people who... The leadership that went to Bonfire, like, might have been the kind of the, the insulation between Activision and what made Blizzard Blizzard. And if that gone, who knows if the new people that have to fight that fight are as good at it. Um... And you know, Activision doesn't really put games out anymore. Like they put out Call of Duty every year, and they made a Crash Bandicoot remaster. But like, that's pretty much it. That's it. And like, so Blizzard is sort of you know, Blizzard has become I think more and more of a giant share of the revenue there. And uh, I can see Activision getting a little spikier about things. As I mean, that seems on. to be what's happening to me. Sure, I don't it looks know. Like, it looks like this it. is all conjecture. I don't have any sources on this. This is just what it appears to be me to me is that once that senior leadership stepped down and went to Bonfire, there was no safety wall there anymore. There was no firewall there for Blizzard between Activision. And -hmm. I think what we're just seeing is Blizzard being run the way Activision would run it. It's kind of lost its autonomy a little bit. It doesn't feel like Blizzard is this separate entity anymore like it used to be. I just, It just feels like that special... The special way that they just kind of... carry themselves in the business is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just, it feels like it's lost some cachet, um, and rightfully so, the way it's handled some of its products recently. Um, I don't know. There's just not a lot of good news coming out of Blizzard anymore, Matt. Yeah. I mean, you go right back to the eSports stuff. Again, I'm guessing that was all Activision that was driving all that stuff. Like, Probably. this is our corporate culture. Here's our corporate handbook we're going to throw on the table, and you need to read it, and these are the rules that we're going to live by from now on. Um it just, I don't know. I mean, this game looks great still. I mean, this is encouraging. Yeah, but it's a long way away. It's a long, yes. <laughs> it's long by even Blizzard standards, apparently. I don't know. It's um, It's been very disheartening over the last couple of years to see two Bs, Bethesda and Blizzard, both slip. Mm-hmm. Both publishers that I have respected, and I still love the people that work at both of them, or the people who are left at Blizzard anyway that I still know. And I still love all the folks at Bethesda, but both of these publishers over the last couple of years have really kind of their brand is to me has really taken a hit. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that Blizzard hasn't actually made anything bad, um, so it's, they're not in the kind of the, the realm of like Bethesda putting out Fallout seventy six. They've made a lot of poor policy choices uh, in the last year, uh, particularly in re- relation to the Hong Kong esports stuff. Um, certainly, they had trouble with Overwatch because of the. Uh, um, that one, that one strategy whose name I can never remember. The goat, I think it's called the goat, where it's like a particular formation of characters that a team could use, and it was the only viable formation for like most of the last season. Yeah. And, and while it was effective, it was and it was competitive. Uh, it made it kind of boring to watch. Um, the same team every game. Yeah, it's the same yeah. team on same team the whole time, and they had to do the two 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 change to sort of short circuit that, but the damage was kind of already done and the hype was gone. Yep. Um, so if they can't recapture that with his Overwatch 2 initiative, I don't know if uh, that game is long for this world. 
anymore. Um, One positive, though, of Activision having... But I wouldn't call it bad. I wouldn't, you know, yeah. And Diablo 3, I think, wasn't very good when it launched, but they turned it into something good. Yeah. Um, and then you look at kind of... I mean, Overwatch 2 needs to be something special. I don't know if it will be, if it's more of just an expansion pack with a glorified 2 at the end of it. Um, and then... Uh, I don't know. Like, and I guess you got Diablo Immortal in the pipeline somewhere, but who cares? Like, I mean, one positive is not going to turn anything around. Of Activision being a little more heavy-handed with Blizzard could be more regular releases. Yeah, like Activision could be at the point now where they're like, "Look, man, like we get it. You're Blizzard. You mm-hmm. guys have done some amazing stuff, but you can't take 12 years to make a game anymore." I mean, I, I understand that. If I'm if I'm Activision and I own Blizzard, I would be pretty frustrated and pissed off mm-hmm. at a certain point with Blizzard. And they'd be kind of like, oh, we got WoW. Because their games wow. are great, but they're not that much better than everybody else's that they yeah. need 12 years. We like, got WoW Classic out. Yeah. We got that other expansion coming. Yeah. We got Hearthstone. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it, – it's just – I think you're right, though. I think just you know, the the, the – rest of the industry, a lot of the other AAA stuff has really stepped up. And, like, it's, you know, and there is still a Blizzard. There is something to the Blizzard stuff. I mean, Overwatch. Is, but it's, like, most of the Blizzard specialness comes across in their cinematics now. Yeah, it does. That's a good way to put it, actually. Yeah. Their, did their cinematics guy leave to go to Bonfire? Or is he still there? They've still got. I think that's. What a big was his enough. name? Like Mike Ryder or something? Something like that. Something I, like can't, that. I can't remember. Their 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 cinematics department is large. And yeah, it's a whole floor of their yeah. campus. It's huge. And uh, although at one point, um, one of the one of the leaders over there, not I don't think any of the bonfire guys, but it was it was like I think it was in the immediate aftermath of that of, the, of like a lot of leadership left. There was some some guy was like convinced that like, they should shut down the cinematics department. <laughs> <laughs> and like there was a whole like then Blizzard would lose its whole identity at this I, point because I said something to to someone at some event or something about how like because somebody worked on the Cinemax team and I was like it's like oh I just saw that this whatever this was I might have been Diablo three I don't remember what it was but I said like oh, I saw that it was amazing I thought it was a Korean crowd would watch a whole movie like that and he's like could you tell like the <laughs> VP over here that because he wants to shut our floor down and I'm like are you I'm like are you kidding me I, wow like that's like going to Bungie and being like, we're gonna shut down your gun design team. It's just like it's like that's or like you know I. You do think about it though, if you're or going to the Capcom Activision. Street Fighter team and you're like, no more punching. Like it, it's like it's what it is, <laughs> what they do. No, you're right. I I totally hear you. But you, if you do think about it from Activision's perspective, it's like, what are these trailers really doing? They're amazing. Yeah. And everybody loves them. But what do they really do? Do they get people more hyped for a game than a gameplay trailer does? I mean, they're the only things that make me pay attention to Blizzard games at yeah. this point. I agree. I agree. Like the, the Diablo 4 cinematic trailer last year is the, probably the best thing they put out. Oh, yeah. All year. Absolutely. Might be the best trailer of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't give it that. But you're right. In hindsight, it probably was. So, like, I think, I mean, even if you got to pivot and make your Cinemax team start making feature films, like, there's something there. Like, you've, you've assembled a team that can do things that not all teams can do. Like, you've got something special there. And considering the rest of the state of Blizzard right now, like, if that's the thing you have that makes things special, double down on it. Yeah. Find a way. Yep. Like, that's, that's how smart business strategy works. I don't know if Activision has it in them, but the people at Blizzard might. The cinematics team definitely does. Yeah. So that would be kind of my angle on that is like, let's look really look at what makes these cinematics special and try to translate that into the rest of the game. Yep. Um, we need to move on because we added in that extra Dan Hauser topic to the show that was mm-hmm. not in the rundown. So we're going to be crunched for time. 
Uh, we're going to talk next about the wonderful 101, uh, a Wii U exclusive, it used to be, that did not sell especially well. It's no. a it's a strange game. I think I saw on, on Twitter that the Super Best Friends playthrough of that game has more views on YouTube than the game sold units. I believe it. I believe it. It did not sell very well. In fact, I went back and looked at my old Wii U collection. I don't have this game. I don't know what happened to it. I do have it. Um... At first, I thought you know I thought See, it was I have a sealed copy. I still have a sealed copy, and then I bought it digitally, so I didn't have to open the copy when I realized how rare that game was going to be. Obviously, that's not going to be rare anymore. Yeah, because it's about to be a giant hit on Switch. Yeah, so it's be. I it's, hope. The re, I think they are remastering it. I think they're bringing it up yeah. to scratch with current. Because the old one was 720p for one, so I'm assuming. Well, they're remastering it, and one of the stretch goals was a PS4 version, which they have passed. They've got all their stretch goals met in like in like thirty minutes. Are you so. kidding me? No. I knew they hit. So for the Switch version, they only asked for fifty grand, and I'm just assuming that that version's done already and in the can. Yeah, I think I think they're pretty much ready to go already because they're saying April. Yeah, and they hit that in ten minutes. Yeah, and then the next one was it PC Steam PC, version was next. Then Steam version, then PS4 version. They and hit it was everything. Two hundred fifty k for the Steam version, and then five hundred thousand for PS4. I looked at that thing about an hour after it went live, and it was like one point four million. Wow. Like it, they, they, it was fi- they were fine. Where were these right. people when the game came out? I don't know. They didn't want, now I, they imagine, want to buy. I imagine they didn't own Wii U's. That's true. Yeah, more people own Switch now. Do you think this game's worth it? Yeah, I think this game's great. Um, I mean, I wouldn't pay 1.3 million for it, but like, yeah, I ba- <laughs> I backed it. I, you know, I backed it for oh, a physical did? copy. Yeah, oh, okay. absolutely. This game's great. I don't even, you know, I'm not an automatic uh, platinum fan. You know, I don't love yeah. everything they make, but this is great. It's, so it's those- kind of it's almost a spiritual successor to Beautiful Joe. It's like um, Beautiful Joe crossed with Pikmin. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So you have all these minions who can form into objects that you mm-hmm. then use as a weapon. Like they can all form into a hammer, and then you can use the ha- this gigantic mm-hmm. hammer to attack enemies. It's got a bit of like a Godzilla Hong yeah. Kong vibe to it. Like there's, a lot, there's some kaiju to it. I mean, I and or Power Rangers yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, look, like, and I'm I've mentioned this game a lot as like you know I think every game that's trapped on the on the Wii U needs to move forward onto the Switch to be saved from obscurity. And this is probably like this is the poster child for yeah, that. Yeah, this is a po- I mean, basically my picks for that, like my top two picks for doing that would be this and um, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X. Yeah. Um, and now we're, we're getting this, so we're just down to Xenoblade, which uh, I would imagine is not impossible. Is there any Wii U exclusive left at this I mean, point? Super Mario 3D World, but I can't imagine that's not coming forward at some yeah, point. Yeah, it definitely uh, will. The HD yeah. remasters of Twilight Princess and Wind Waker. Yeah. Uh, that would be nice to see. Did those run in eight, at 1080p or 720? I can't remember. I bet it's 720. Um, I mean, those are the last few that I, I mean, Pikmin 3, which was also on Wii. Yep. Um, I guess it's funny. There's a lot of Wii games that move forward, and then we're back. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah where's the next time. Pikmin for that matter? Maybe that's why. So the crazy thing to me is that it is coming to other platforms because this was a Nintendo exclusive, mm-hmm. and basically the stories that have come out about this was Nintendo was like, "It's your call. Mm-hmm. Like you can release it exclusively for Switch, and we'll fund it, or you can release it for other platforms, and then that's on you." And that's when Platinum was like, okay, well, then we're going to launch a Kickstarter. I believe they made the right decision. Yeah. I mean, they did, obviously, because they hit their goal almost immediately. Mm-hmm. But how do you feel about this? A big company like Platinum. It's the X-Play logo. 
How do you feel about this? Like a big comp again? Like, look for Shenmue. I get it. Yu Suzuki hadn't done anything for like mm. two decades. He didn't have anything else going on. This is platinum asking people for money to make a game. I think they've made it. Though. I mean, they did. They're, yeah, but they're basically asking for money to distribute it. Yeah, because um, no one else will do it. Um, which I understand because it was a bomb. It did. It bombed hard. Um, yeah. I mean, I like I get like when people sort of side eye like a corporation that is clearly funded on things, but like they don't have funding for this. Um, it's not the thing they usually do, and uh, you know, obviously Nintendo didn't want to touch it if they wanted to make it because I can see why they want to make do the PC version and the and the PS4 version to kind of widen the audience. And yeah, the only way they'll make it, money on it because make money on it. And also, I think they are proud of this game. Yeah. Um, because it's different from a lot of the things they did, even though it is recognizably platinum when you I play mean, it. I mean, it's different from just about everything right. ever made. <laughs> it's a very unique game, for sure. So, I'm sorry, and I think, you know, sometimes you really do need to do the thing where you just say, like, I, you know, the, the, the audience is out there. We just need to do it. It's, basically, it's a pre-order. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, because what did, what did you put down? Like 50 bucks? Is like, if you just I think, it was, like, I think it was 35 or 44 whatever the, the tier for a Getting physical, the a physical game copy is. is. Oh. So there's a... There's a cheaper tier for a digital copy, and there's a higher tier for a physical copy. So I got the physical copy. And it's only 35 It's not even like I want to say it was 44 Okay. That's fair. I'm not sure. That's more than fair. It wasn't 60 60 gets you... I mean, the, some of the some of the, goal, the, the the things you get for the higher tiers are pretty funny, including, like, I think over $60 or something, you get personally blocked on Twitter by, by Camille. Camille. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, like, fine prints, like, you do not actually have to be blocked by Camille if you do not want to be... <laughs> Well, he's known to be a bit of a jerk oh, on, yeah. on Twitter, so it's right in right it's on a, brand. It's his shtick. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is his shtick. But I'm, you know, I'm I happily did it. I think you know, I'm I, I like this game. I think more people should play it. Uh, I realize that you could say that about most platinum things, really. Um, but this one in particular, um, it was just stuck on a platform nobody bought, and uh, it should be saved from that. And it is so great. How do you feel though about companies with plenty of money asking fans to? Well, I don't, up for this I don't stuff. think Platinum has plenty of money in that. Really? Regard. No. I, don't, I mean, I'm a million sure dollars. They have plenty of money. They mo- could have totally spent that million dollars themselves and done this. I mean, you could, but it's not smart business. It's better to have. Well, yeah, of course, you'd rather have there. somebody else pay for it. I don't give a shit. Like, you don't. I think that's a weird way to look at it. Like, it's like there's no evidence from a corporate standpoint or a business standpoint that anyone gives a shit about this game that bombed incredibly hard a few years ago and that Nintendo doesn't even want to necessarily take a shot on uh, without, like, their say-so. And to just say, like, I know that if we put this up to the community and say, like, if you want this, give us the money now and we'll get it to you in a couple of months, I think that's completely fair. If you don't want to do that, then don't. Because you know what? When it goes up di- on, on, the, on the platforms, you'll be able to buy it digitally anyway. So you'll get it anyway if you don't want to put your money down early. No, I get That's that. That's fine. I, I just, there's something. They, they don't have that kind of money set aside for distribution costs of a game that they made six years ago. Like, that's not how business works in that regard, I don't think. I don't, I don't think you can just suddenly earmark all this stuff to, for something else and not feel like you're putting your company in jeopardy. And that would have to be something that, like... If a million dollars puts platinum in jeopardy, there's some big-time problems going on over there. I don't think that's entirely wrong. Like, really? I don't, I don't a know million what, dollars for platinum? I don't know what kind of margins they operate on. They operate mostly on contract work. 
Like, who knows? I don't know what their financial statements look like. Yeah, but... <laughs> but I'm not going to say that they can just, like, suddenly decide to redistribute, like, three different versions of, an, of a game that bombed half a decade ago. Like, if, if they want to play it safe on that and do this through Kickstarter, I think that's fair, and no one has to support them if they don't want to. So you're, you're in general, you're just okay with corporations basically getting welfare. I, it's not what I would call this. What would you call it? Pre-orders. <laughs> I mean, you're funding the publisher. The publisher, they're going to make money off of this. I'm funding them. At, this isn't I, just a favor. I'm funding They're going to make a profit. I'm funding them whether or not they do it on Kickstarter because I'm buying the game. Yeah. Like, that's all I care about. I mean, they're going to get my money one way or the other. I don't care when they get my money. But if you wouldn't have been one of the backers, you may they may not have got your money. Well, then that's a decision you can make when it comes out. Yeah. Because you're, you're no one's going to put it up on the digital store on Switch or on PlayStation Network and say, like, well, if you weren't a backer, you can't give us money for this now. Like, that's not how that works. So, like, you, don't, you lose nothing. We lose nothing by, by this. All we get, we get to play this game again if we want to. That's all. That's all that happened here. Yeah, I'm not saying on a personal. I'm just saying corporations asking people for money to me seems weird. I think you're overestimating Pl- Platinum's uh, liquidity. Let's Maybe. Put it that way. They should be more liquid than you're leading on. You'd think so. I but mean, they'd have to be poor money managers. To where not. do they get that money then? What do you mean? For this? Yeah. Well, it's not like when you when they make a sign a contract to make a game for someone, they just spend all the money. They should have a war chest of money. I, they should have cash. Somewhat, but I don't know if they, they have the money to do that and then like really throw that. I mean, they're not a cash-rich studio. They never have been. Like, I, I have no problem believing that they weren't going to be able to suddenly just earmark this money for this thing which is which could be just a lost cause like and this way by doing it you 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 really put it out there and get these people excited that this is going to happen everybody knows it happened it's a news story people put their money towards it it's all kind of in the bank um it's 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 a hype thing you know your Shenmue 3 is probably the best comparison in the sense that like everyone who cares about video games suddenly knew the Shenmue 3 existed again when they announced that at that thing. And by doing this, suddenly everybody knows Wonderful 101's coming back. So it's partly just a PR move. But, uh, I mean, would I, I don't think we need to, like, crowdfund Nintendo bringing back Xenoblade Chronicles X, but Platinum ain't Nintendo. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, I still have misgivings about it. Um, people basically funding a corporation to turn a profit that i don't know there's just something that just doesn't sit right with me but i am you're right i am glad that the game is going to be back out there people are going to be able to experience it because it is a great game and it is a game that more people should play i don't think it's for everybody um but that no, part no of, platinum games for everybody yeah nah i'd agree with that very few yeah um so anyway there you go wonderful 101 it sounds like it hit all its marks so it's coming to switch PC. As far as I, last I looked, four. yeah, I think they got all their stretch goals already. Yep, they might need to come up with more. And hopefully. I think they did say that like if things exploded, they would consider like an Xbox One version mm-hmm. of it. So that that's likely probably coming to now. So yeah, clearly the interest is there, and I'm sure Microsoft has noticed. Yeah, but I think anybody who's watching this B-roll can see why it wasn't a smash hit. No, it's it's. Let's call it quirky. Yeah, I mean, the first time I saw this game, I knew it wasn't going to be a smash hit. And I knew probably one day we'd end up someplace like this, where we there people would be, like, obsessed with it and want it to be revived and want it to come out because nobody yeah. bought it on the Wii. But also because that was just what happened to Platinum Games. Then. Yeah, I mean, that's why I, I also have an unopened box copy of this game, because I thought that it was going to be worth money someday. Mm-hmm. I don't know where it is, though. I seem to have misplaced it somewhere, but... I did get this game and not open it. So 
that's all out the window, but I don't care. Like, what was I going to make on it? 20 bucks? It's better for everybody to be able to play this. Um, so I think it's good news. It's just a little weird to me when corporations ask for handouts from fans. I think it depends on the size and the ant. It's just, I, I, the idea that Platinum has his money sitting around is not something that has ever been part of the narrative. Like, there was even like talk of like how when Scalebound got canceled, it was threatening the existence of the company by losing that contract. Like that, they seem they really seem to live like hand to mouth a little bit on those contracts. So yep. I don't know. I, I think they're a pretty lean operation. So. But regardless, April is that what they're saying for the Switch version? I think that's what they what they said on like the delivery date on the you know where it says like when you're going to get the rewards or something. Yeah. I think it said April. Okay. Um, uh, the the, impl- the the impression that everyone seems to be getting is that the port is done. They just need to distribute. the money to distribute it. So produce it and ship yeah. it, basically. So and that should take a couple of months. Uh, you know, barring any weird factory delays because of the coronavirus. All stuff. right. That's the thing, though. Like, oh, absolutely. There's I've all got... kinds of factories in China that are oh, shutting yeah. down, and like, <laughs> like all the all the third-party transformers I have on order are basically delayed for like till like June. Infinity. So. Yeah, I know Apple's in like deep crap too, because mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. we have all these factories, and going to be interesting to see how uh, console manufacturing gets impacted yeah. if this goes on long enough. Yeah, I did see that uh, that they won't be affected by tariffs, so that's good. Mm-hmm. That should not. That means the prices of them shouldn't be affected by that at all. Still going to be expensive. All right. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about Resident Evil. Uh, Some news finally broke this week about Resident Evil 8. We've been hearing all this stuff about Resident Evil, but none of it has been for the sequel. It's all for remakes. The Resident Evil 2 remake, the Resident Evil 3 remake that's coming very, very soon. Finally, we got some drips of information about the next mainline Resident Evil And the biggest bullet point is that it is going to remain in first person, Mm -hmm. just like Resident Evil 7, which was built with VR in mind. Do you think the logo logo is going to have 8 as the E in evil? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Because the 7 was, what, an L or an I, I think? Um, no, it was, uh... The L turned the, upside it, down. It was like the V-I... It was, it was Roman numerals, wasn't it? Like the, like the V-I-I... I V-I-L. thought the 7 was somehow written into the Resident Evil. Like it was the yeah, L or the I. I think it was the Roman numeral for it. Uh, it was like V-I-L. Yeah. Like in evil was like, was highlighted a different color, and that was the 7. So that was, the most polarizing thing, other than the fact that it was built, I don't know if I'd say primarily, but at least 50-50 with VR in mind, the other thing that people kind of were up in arms about was that the game was entirely in first person uh it was the first resident evil game to be played entirely in first person usually it's a third person action adventure slash survival horror game first of all how did you feel uh, about resident evil 7 being played in first person were you, uh, just, were you did you like it were you disappointed i wasn't it, it the first person element is kind of Turn me off of it. Okay, that's one of the main reasons I've never played it. Oh, I don't, I don't care about. Did you play like the demo or anything before? I played the kitchen demo. Uh, okay, which was great. Yeah, which was good. The whole game um, wasn't that good though. Unfortunately, no. um, it just was. It just not. I mean, I have only marginal interest in Resident Evil to begin with. Okay, and once you remove it from kind of the Raccoon City, Chris and and Leon, Jill, and uh, like all those all those characters, like I'm not in anymore i could just it, resident evil 7 to me looked like the most generic imaginable horror game i could possibly see in this you know it looked like amnesia me too to me yeah well it was um, better than that i'm sure. sure yeah sure i just don't care um i i know that like they integrate it more into the universe by the end of the game um and maybe this will have more interest for me but like 
it takes something like the Resident Evil 2 remake or 3 remake to get me to play a Resident Evil game at this point just because that's the Resident Evil I like. Um, you are right, though. The so. Resident Evil 7 does not tie into the franchise until the end. Mm-hmm. Literally, like, the ending of the game, you're like, oh, there's somebody I recognize. I'm not going to spoil it, obviously, what happens at the end. But, yeah, otherwise it's just a horror game. There are, there are hints about, you know, Umbrella yeah. and, and Bio whatever issues. But, yeah, as far as, like, overt characters, you don't see any of them until the end. Um, now, I am a huge Resident Evil fan. I do have an affinity towards the franchise, and I do absolutely care what happens to it. Um, in my impressions of Resident Evil 7, you can obviously go back and watch the game face where we covered it in depth. But I now that we're two years removed from it, I'm okay with the first-person perspective. And I, the reason I'm okay with the first-person perspective is because we're getting the 2D, the third-person perspective game still. Mm-hmm. They're using the remakes to kind of keep that old style of the game alive. I feel like Capcom is delineating between, hey, this is what our new mainline Resident Evil light is like. This is the stuff that we're doing on the side to promote some of the older stuff in the line. And so I thought it was good, honestly. Like, being a, playing in first person when you're talking about horror or terror, to me, is far more effective. Because when you're playing in third person, you can move the camera and you can, like, look around corners. Some people may like that because it makes the game easier to play, but it takes away a lot of the shock and the actual horror from the game. In this game, you really didn't know what was around every single corner. And the way the game was built, people would just, like, they wouldn't even wait for corners. You could be walking down a hallway and a dude would just bust through the wall, like, right next to you. So, to me, the suspense... Um, The terror and the horror, I liked it better in first person. Now, I do agree with you. I did not like that Resident Evil 7 was so loosely connected to the franchise where I'd agree. Like, it felt like I was playing, like, some indie first-person hide-and-seek horror game sometimes. Um, Obviously, the the production values, the, the length of the game, the fact that it runs in VR, all set it apart from those types of games. But I could see where at first blush you're like, what makes this any different than this indie game I paid $15 for last month? Um, you, have, you have to play it to see that. But I can mm-hmm. see why you would kind of have that impression at first. One day it'll get cheap enough that I'll just impulse buy it and play it that way. Yeah, so. and it's not especially long. I, if I remember, it was like 12 hours or something like that. It wasn't like a really long game. Also, I, just don't, I don't have a lot of interest in the... Oh, you're trapped in a house with a weird family. It's like, you know. Well, it was more Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre than Resident Evil. Yeah. That's really what this game was. And I like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but, like, as kind of the, the horror movie that has been attempted to re- be reimagined and rebooted probably the most in modern times, like, I'm so tired of that premise. Like, yeah. Like, if you run me through. The backwoods. What, one more hills have eyes inbred. thing. Like, I'm just yeah. like, guys, <laughs> it's not that scary. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be in the house, but, like. It's not a compelling premise to me. Now I would say that there are some moments in this game where it gets you pretty good. Mm. There, there, there are probably a handful of moments in this game that, in my opinion, stand up to some of the best scares from Resident Evil. But let's keep in mind that Resident Evil hasn't always necessarily been about scares. Right. It's more of like a creepy type. Certainly not for the last, like, three games yeah. before this one. I mean, four, five, and six are not particularly scary. Yeah. They're just... They're action There's games. There's horror things in them, but you're, you're, yeah, you're. This was a horror game. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what that's another thing that I liked about it, and that's another thing that I hope that they do carry forward to eight. The other thing, but one thing I hope they do not carry forward to eight 
is focusing on VR development for it. And I have a feeling mm-hmm. they're probably gonna, but in my opinion, I, I felt like the fact that they developed for did for VR kept the non-VR version from looking as good as it could have. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's fair. And it I would, looks it. And I would prefer if they ditch the VR version and just get everything out of whatever platform they're making it for. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my big complaint. Now, I did see that, like, Upload VR this week wrote an editorial where they were saying, like, that VR needs more games like Resident Evil 7 or it's never going to take off. I absolutely agree with that. I am not willing to sacrifice Resident Evil with that throne, though. Mm-hmm. Find something else. Like, if you're going to have to take away some of the production values of Resident Evil so that it will work in VR, no. That's not a trade-off that I want to make. I want Resident Evil to look as good as it can. So They take too many headshots in that game. What'd you say? I was just looking at the B-roll with eight. They took a lot. Yeah. Sometimes like seven. Yeah, she was like emptying the magazine (laughs) at him. Yeah, but but when you do land that perfect shot right in the forehead, it goes, Mm. good feeling for sure. Um, I did like Resident Evil 7. Um, I thought it was, it was on the upper echelon of Resident Evil games. It wasn't the best. Um, To me, that'll always be Resident Evil 4 until something happens otherwise. Mm. But it wasn't the worst either. Um, but I have a feeling they could make a better game if they focused on just making a 2D game instead of a VR game. Though, And the one good thing is, going back to what you were saying, people had kind of rejected Resident Evil 6, Resident Evil 5, because they were more action-y with horror elements. Um, and so to me, to see it go kind of go back to that more macabre tone, uh, I think I think that's what most fans want. And I think that's what's going to make the games better going forward. Now, but you're right, because you are kind of brought back into the loop of that RE plot and characters at the end of RE7, it does have me a little nervous that Resident Evil 8 is just going to be RE7, but with the characters you know about, plus the dude that you met in Resident Evil 7. And they have confirmed that Ethan from RE7 will be there, along with uh, Chris Redfield. Not a surprise if you played RE7. Uh, Other details... Werewolf-like enemies, Mm. um, real zombies, and I'm guessing that means a slow, shambling kind. And there's a female apparition or spirit involved in it somehow, and that's pretty much all we got. Um, I'm cool with it, what I've heard so far. Uh, Again, I hope that they don't sacrifice the quality of the 2D version for VR, though. We'll see. Yeah, I I feel like... uh... I feel like you're safe ignoring VR for at least one more installment. Maybe things will be different when nine, it's time for Resident Evil Nine, but I don't think that I don't think that gains you as much as it loses right now. Yep, agreed. Uh, I'm also guessing that absolutely nobody watching this show gets the lower third, except for people who are as old as Matt and I. <laughs> I get it. Everybody else is like, "What is that?" In chat, how many of you guys know what eight is enough is? I want to know. <laughs> I mean, maybe if they watched a lot of. Uh, TV land or yeah, Nick they, at Night. Yeah, they might have an idea. All I can tell you is that uh, I was born in the 70s, and my hair was, because of its, the time period, designed only to do hairstyles that were on that show. <laughs> yep. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about another horror franchise uh, that has not been revived or done in VR or really seems alive in any way, shape, or form right now, and that is Silent Hill. In my restless dreams, I see that town. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So we all know what happened when Konami tried to make its own Metal Gear game after Kojima left. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got that awful multiplayer-driven shooter thing. The increasingly ironically named Metal Gear Survive. Yeah, which may have actually been like the final nail in Metal Gear's coffin, <laughs> oddly enough. Well, guess what, people? Konami has decided that it's going to investigate reviving the Silent Hill franchise. And that is not Mm. for pachinko machines. Hit the lever. (laughs) Seriously. They're they're trying to revive the franchise. And and it has me more terrified than any Silent Hill video game ever did. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I would argue there hasn't been a good Silent Hill since 3. Yes, that's Um, 1,000% accurate. So at this point... If you if who cares what they do to that thing's corpse at this point? Like it's just <laughs> it, the ship has sailed like fifteen times over. Like it's over. It's done. You think it's completely over? I don't care anymore. Like I've made my peace that one, two, and three are good. One and three are good. Two is probably the best horror movie game ever made. Still, yeah. um, I wish they'd followed up better on two as because I think two was a brilliant idea of like. We're not going to – because I didn't think the cult story in one was all that compelling. I thought the idea that two came up with, which was like we're just going to do – I thought they were going to do a series where it was like like an anthology series where like each each game was like a different protagonist unrelated to the previous ones that just ended up getting caught up in this weird town and like explore their psychological problems and weird traumas and stuff. And like that's a way more interesting way to do kind of Silent Hill style of horror to me. Agreed. Then uh, yeah. continue, continue. I mean, I like three a lot. I think it's it's a good way to wrap up things. And Heather is a great character, um, and it's still one of the best looking games ever. Like yeah. the character, the character animation and design in that. Like they they played with the PS2's lim- limitations to the point that I don't know how that that cop she sees him. Oh yeah, him. he still looks great. Yeah, no. day. after all this time. Um, so yeah, I love that our initial trilogy, but like beyond that, it was just a mess and. Uh, To me, Silent Hill was just sort of a lightning in a bottle thing, and it's never coming back, and that's the end. I mean, maybe maybe Silent Hills would have been something just because of the input of uh, Del Toro and sort of the promise of what what P.T. showed us in terms of tone and atmosphere. Um, But that's gone. It's not going to happen, and God knows what weird-ass thing uh, Konami of today is going to try to foist on us. So I'm I'm just... I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen or it's not going to happen. And if, if suddenly everybody comes back when it does come out and is, if it ever comes out and is just like, oh, actually, this is amazing and it's great and it's like Silent Hill's back and it's just as good as two, I will not believe you, but I will play it to find out. Do you not think that Konami could just hire a really good studio to make a good Silent Hill? It could. Because you were saying earlier I don't it's know who over, that would it's be. done. Like, to me, that is a, an opportunity still. There's still a chance to revive this IP. Who would you hire? Oh, that's a good question. That isn't already working on something mm-hmm. or contracted out for the next like pre- pretend two there's years. no pretend there's no limit pretend pretend there's no limit on who you'd hire for the, for this oh game. like who'd be my dream studio to make a Silent Hill yeah probably probably Capcom hmm their RE team maybe but that would never happen I just don't know because like that has to be I don't think Capcom I don't think Capcom's ever done horror like Silent Hill correctly no like, it's Resident Evil Resident Evil's more of a gross out horror thing bloober team mm. yeah layers of fear they could they could if, if they've they... made some good games and their first person horror games as well so that that i could see 
And Bloomer Team, you could probably hire them pretty cheap to do it. I mean, the budget that you gave them would be the biggest budget they ever Never had. had. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that team could probably do something special with it. They also get that psychological angle of horror instead of just overt, like, Oh, blood and guts. Yeah, and Silent Hill to me, like, because I remember I liked Silent Hill a lot more than Resident Evil at the time when they were kind of in. I think a lot of people did. Yeah, because Silent Hill, you know, basically because Resident Evil is horror and Silent Hill at its best is terror. Um, Silent Hill is a more existential terror thing. There's yeah. a lot more Lovecraft to it. There's a lot more. Um, uh, there's a lot more of just sort of the dread. Yep. permeating it Agreed. as opposed to Resident Evil which is more just like oh a thing jumped out oh it's gross kind my of heart thing. jumped for yeah. two seconds and now it's right back to where but it was the yeah. most memorable moments in game horror to me are almost all terror driven from Silent Hill you know, and some of it's just like oh look at the way that the, I'm walking down this alley and the, the, and the camera pan to just follow kicks, me yeah. and it looks like it might be a viewpoint of something, of something. looking yeah. at me I don't yeah. know like stuff that's that the only kind of, games can do. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that's that, especially because and also with Resident Evil being pre-rendered backgrounds at the time and Silent Hill being full 3D, yep. Silent Hill is able to do things with a camera that Resident Evil just couldn't. Um, and Silent Hill Two is uh, remains a masterpiece. And this uh, is downpour, by the way. Yeah, frankly, this was, in, this was not the glory days no, of Silent fr- Hill. Frankly, I would rather they just like do a, a modern like remaster of Silent Hill Two that isn't terrible. They uh, should the, remake the, HD, the first two Silent Hill games. Yeah, well, because the HD remaster collection was one of probably the worst. Is trash ever made yeah. of anything. Uh, although I think there's an. I mean, Warcraft, Warcraft three is giving it a run for its money, but like you got to imagine seeing RE two do so well yeah. at retail that remake. I mean, you got to feel like Konami's probably like we got these games here. If we and can course, find a team. Well, of course, the other problem is like Silent Hill two. You you run into the problem that. Um, you can't use James's VO. No, oh, right. Because of the licensing issues, they had to re-record it, and it didn't work out tremendously well. Yep. Um, it, I mean, really, your only the only thing I would do is just try to remaster it, but they already did that, and it didn't work out properly because they didn't know how to tweak it properly, and, like, you could see too far. The fog didn't work right, and you could see the end of the world all the time. It was like, bad. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where I... I but just, if you put a big budget behind remaking those first two games, I mean, Konami sort of, could but, make a lot of money. Sort of, but budget isn't, doesn't make anyone care, you know? Like, you don't like, think people you, care about Silent no, Hill? No, I think people care. I mean, it's not going to make a team making the game care to get it right. Like, I mean, to me, Silent Hill HD collection is made by people that didn't understand what they were remaking and didn't take the care to pay attention to why they should remake it the way it was already and just make it better. They just sort of like, ah, it's like they ran it through a filter and called it a day. That's, again, why I'm like, I can't let myself care about this series anymore because you've been burned too many times. Like, again, if it comes out and it's good, great, but when you say I'm make, we're making new Silent Hill games, I'm my initial reaction is, all right, go fuck yourself. And my, my initial reaction is don't. Don't. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, I mean, what are you doing? I mean, it doesn't matter. It's like you've made tons of terrible Silent Hill games. What's one more? You know? But <laughs> well, like, well, I would like to play a good one. Sure, I guess is my sure. Point. I just don't expect to ever again. Ever. There are not, teams out there, not even the old ones, because apparently, old, you know, the old ones. I mean, I if I was going to play Silent Hill two, I'd just bust out an old PS two and play it that way. Chat has brought up Ninja Theory would do a good job. I'd agree with that. I mean, you're talking about psychological Maybe. terror. That's pretty good. Um, somebody else mentioned another studio that I was like, yeah, that makes all oh, the studio that makes Evil Within. They're, I mean, that's not a terrible choice, but no, they're more—they're more in the vein of Resident Evil than. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is. It is. Yeah. It's me, comedy. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the other problem is like Silent Hill is kind of a unique thing, and I don't know yeah. anyone else who's making stuff like that. At least I'm not on that. That's why level. I say remakes. Like trying to make a new one, I think is a fool's errand. But if you could remake the first two games, or even the first, the whole first sort of. trilogy. The other problem is like Silent Hill Two. 
part of its charm and part of why it works is some the of the jankness tech. there. Yeah, like, the, like, it like it, it's it's yeah. it's an, it's a prime example of how limitations can end up making a better creative product. Yeah, that's true. Um, and like once you take those limitations away and you try to make everything look perfect, like once once you try to make like uh, like Maria look perfect. She doesn't look like Maria anymore. Or you try to make pyramid head look plausible. Yeah, like it, any of that. Yeah. Or you like, or you try to like do an HD version of like some of the weird creatures, and like one of the one of the reasons they worked before was like I couldn't quite tell what I was looking at. Yeah, yeah. And now when it's like super sharp in HD, it's like oh that's and that's, in combination that's with a the table animation. with legs. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, it's <laughs> exactly. Uh, so there's also rumors swirling that there may be a Silent Hill film. Now the last Silent Hill movie was not terrible. It wasn't anywhere near good. No, but it was it, was it was it was watchable. It was impressively true to the source material. Yeah, it was yeah. impressively true to a, a true adaptation of three. Yeah, um, and they even they, you know the, the I can't remember the actress who played Heather, but she looked like her, and it was you know yep. I knew I watched the trailer for that, and I knew what game they were doing, which is more than you can say for, for most, a lot of game, most game movies. That's true, man. Uh, both sure. Silent Hill movies, I think, were surprisingly true to the source material in the end. Um, I think the first one is pretty okay. Um, part of that is because um, the cast is really good. I yeah. think the cast is, pulls pulls it off for the most part. Um, Naomi Watts is amazing in pretty much everything she's ever done, except maybe the Book of Henry. Um, and uh, it's also really good to see um, Sean Bean in something yeah. in which he doesn't die, because um, <laughs> that's usually why you cast Sean Bean is to kill him. Yeah, but he just is a sad father. Yeah, and you know Pyramid Head looks great. Oh, yeah, they they nail all the stuff. They do. They, don't, they, yeah. don't, they, they they twist a little bit to make it. You know, I think they actually made the cult story a little more compelling because I think. Um, the way they they change to be mo- more of a mother daughter, and I think she's a more interesting contrast to the sort of the um, the malevolent mother figures of uh, of the cult. Um, so yeah, I like the original Silent Hill movie. Um, I think Silent Hill tends to work better as a movie, in part because Silent Hill took, takes a lot from other movies. Yeah, and one of the one of the miracles of Silent Hill is how well they're able to they, they, those first two games certainly were able to take from these movies that shouldn't translate particularly well to games, and they still did. I mean, there's no way you should be able to make a good game inspired that strongly by Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> but they true. did it. Like, they, <laughs> yeah, it they worked. Yeah. Um, was there a Jacob's Ladder video game? No, I don't think so. It seems like there was. I don't know why. I think there's just a lot of games influenced by <laughs> it. Could it could be. Um, and a lot of horror protagonists that look suspiciously like Tim Robbins. Yep. Um, but I, you know, so I, I'm actually, I'd be more optimistic about movies. Uh, based on the property because I think they've, you know, you, uh, people could find a way to do that, probably more so than making a good game out of it again. Um, I consider, I still consider the Silent Hill games to be lightning in a bottle. What if they uh, commissioned Kojima to make Silent Hill? Well, that's a good way to make sure I never look at it again. <laughs> yeah, you just be walking around in the dark. Just delivering, <laughs> delivering UPS packages to skinless dogs for 40 hours. That's not, that's not what I'm after. Or you could deliver the skin back to the dogs. Yeah, here's your skin, dog. <laughs> Roof. Now, now i got to go back across town to pick up the next package because the weird guy who looks like Stephen King over on, on Bradbury Road wants, yeah. wants olives. Yeah. You know, so like I, it, no. I, I would agree with you. The films have a much lower probability of being abysmal than a game. Let Kojima go do his own thing. Yeah. And leave me alone. I mean, they already tried it once, and people geeked out over Silent Hills. Yeah. So. I'm. 
If you want to bring Del Toro back in for it, sure, I think he gets it. Yeah. But I don't need to play anything Kojima made ever again. Ever think. again. I mean, I will because you got to keep up with that stuff. But, like, you I don't ne- want to. I've never liked anything he's ever made in terms <laughs> of, like, actual storytelling or narrative, really. I, I mean, the last game I really genuinely, enjoy, genuinely enjoyed from Kojima was probably parts of Metal Gear Solid 4. Yeah. Um, and the only thing I really enjoy still to this day and I think holds up is Metal Gear Solid 1. I know I Metal Gear, some of his stuff. I know Metal Gear Solid 3 is supposedly good, but I've never gotten more than an hour into the damn thing. So Yeah, Snake Eater. Not my favorite, that's for sure. I Look, I do like Kojima's work mostly. I was not a fan of Death Stranding. Um, but I don't think that's really indicative of what he typically does. I do His think stuff's it's in- usually a lot more action-oriented. Well, yeah, but I think that's indicative of what he wants to do now. I, yeah, agreed. You know, yeah. I, I don't think he wants to just do action. So, I mean, I'll have, ever since Metal Gear Solid 2, even 1 to some degree, like part of the thrust of his games have been making you feel bad for playing a violent game. Yeah. I mean... That's true. And the whole reason why they brought the the Trank gun in with Metal Gear Solid 2 and kept it around forever was so you could play it without ever killing anyone, which is an admirable challenge, but a kind of a dumb premise when you're dealing with the subject matter he's dealing with. I always would try that and it would last about 15 minutes. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, screw that. At <laughs> a certain point, I get it. This took too long. That guy's about to wake up. I was like, screw no, it. You're, you're all dead. dying. You're dying. I'm just yep. going to shoot you on the knee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're in Terminator 2 this thing. Yep. Gonna live. Yep. Alright, let's move on to our last topic of episode 198. We're going to talk about E3 2020. Did we talk, was it last week that we talked about PlayStation going, leaving for good? Or was it the week before? I think it was the week before. Yeah. Recently, we talked about the fact that PlayStation, not only are they not going to be at E3 this year, they're never coming back to E3. It's done. PlayStation's not going to come back to E3. That's what we talked about over the last couple of weeks. Um, and so we had a lot of concerns about what the ESA could do, what it will do. Um, oddly enough, ever since the big data breach happened, we haven't really heard much from the ESA about E3. It's mm-hmm. kind of been on stealth mode ever since. Um, but now it's finally come out to uh, start discussing the changes that it's going to make after the big debacle that has happened over – when was the – well, the breach has been happening since what? They had that information up since 2014 or yeah, something. Yeah, bits, parts of it have been up there for years. But um, it, they just finally discovered it like eight months ago. I guess yeah, it was. Like, I want to say it was like Septemberish. Yeah, and right. once they found that, they realized that the ESA had been putting that information up for years, mm-hmm. and nobody had caught it. So, um, based upon that, the ESA has a lot to answer to. It also has to answer for the fact that E3 is starting to lose its luster. People aren't as excited to go. Uh, Consumer-based shows like Gamescom and Comic-Con continue to thrive and grow while E3 just seems to be kind of in this holding pattern. Finally, the ESA has decided to discuss what it's doing for E3 2020. And we just want to run it by you guys to kind of let you know what's going on with the show. Um, The ESA said... Its top priority for E3 2020 is earning back the trust. Um, Nope. (laughs) You think they can't earn back the trust? I don't see how they do that. I mean, at the very least, you got it's going to take a year, and we go a year without them leaking any data, and then we're like, okay, maybe they figured it out. Is that really all they have to do though to regain the trust, or is it is it not just the data breach? It's the fact that E3 is kind of hanging by a thread right now as well. I mean, I don't think you can regain that. Like maybe, maybe you could start letting more more press in than like I don't know dogs. That'd yeah, be nice. Like, 
the, the limitations on how much pre- how many press can get in and like how they're just trying to make everybody spend their money to, to get in is, is it's absurd silly it really is silly um but I don't think it's not a press friendly show anymore and uh maybe that's intentional I don't know uh, and I'm speaking more from the perspective of our audience because look our audience I've seen the comments they do not care that we had our data stolen they don't care and they shouldn't mm-hmm. like we're just people telling them whether they should buy games or not. They shouldn't care whether our identity was stolen. They should care more about, is E3 going to deliver me what I want? Am I going to see more games, all the hot games, all the hot hardware? Is it going to be easy for the people who's going to deliver that stuff to me so that I don't have to wait a long time to get it? That I mean, you, type might, of stuff. you might want to care if you intend to go at some point. Right. But, but. again, it's a very small percentage of people mm-hmm. who actually consume or care about the aura around E3. Uh, So earning back the trust is ESA's top priority. They've rebuilt the website with new security measures. Um, Okay. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Uh, Honestly. Well, they've they've definitely done the bare minimum on that one. I mean, I'll just say, like, that's the least of my concerns. Like, I just assume, look, you got caught with your pants down. Our data got out there. It's a no-brainer that you're going to rebuild your website and protect our information. Like, that's not a bullet point to me because – yeah, you better freaking do it after what happened last time. So for them to say their top priority is to, I mean, basically what they're saying is our top priority was to rebuild our website and add the security measures on the website. Right. That should not be its top priority. It shouldn't. No. Like, again, when only 2,000 journalists get let into this show for free, even in the grand scheme of attendance, it's a very yeah. small percentage of people. It's just like you held a, it's like you hung a giant banner up that says like we achieved something. Yeah, exactly. Basic <laughs> competence, twenty twenty. <laughs> like, hey. So I don't care about that. Um, but what I do care about is the show itself, and whether people who watch Game Face, people who go to Sifted, or just gamers in general, will care about it this year, and maybe actually want to go and come to LA and spend some time here with us. And enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. And to that end, the ESA's big move is that there will be a new revitalized experience from I Am 8-Bit. Well. So basically, what's happening? Um, There's for, an art show? Yeah. For those of you guys who have been fans since the game trailers days, do you guys remember the opening graphics for Invisible Walls? All those like colorful drawings that kind of moved around each other. That was all done by I Am 8-Bit. When game trailers blew up, and before we had been kind of shoved in the corner of this of the main MTV building with like Comedy Central and all these other brands that had nothing to do with us. When GT started blowing up, they gave us our own floor in an entirely different building. And before we moved in there, we had I Am, I Am 8-Bit come in and dress our office. So they had graffiti artists that came in to painted all the stuff that you ended up seeing on invisible walls. They had done, like, awesome stuff with, like, our elevator. So when it closed, it created, like, an image. And, like, that's kind of what I Am 8-Bit does. They're decorators. They're And they create swag. That's mm-hmm. what I Am 8-Bit does. They will come into a space, kind of dress it up, or they'll make you, like, T-shirts or, if you want, notebook pads or anything that you want with your logo on them. They do that, and they are very, very creative at times in coming up with that stuff. They also produce a lot of the vinyl editions of osts um Mm -hmm. a lot of times when a publisher will have like a special edition of a game they'll go to i am 8-bit and they'll create kind of the stuff that goes in with the special edition that you're paying that extra 
50 or $100 for. That's what IM 8-Bit does. How can what they do have a big impact on E3 2020? Is there any way that what they do could have a big impact? I mean, the only and thing... And we I, love those guys, by the way. We're friends with yeah. the folks at IM 8-Bit. The only thing I can think is, like, if you use IM 8-Bit to kind of create a more interesting or visually inviting space uh, to make up for the fact that there's no Sony booth, there's no Microsoft booth. Is like, you, you, you're basically using that to make it feel less like it's as empty as it was last year. Like, that would be kind of my guess. They're making that. some kind of a lounge-type experience. They didn't go into much detail about any of this crap, by the way. Um, yeah, loungy areas, they said, provided by mm-hmm. IM8Bit. So it looks like they're going to just create, like, these areas with a bunch of uh, bean bags and stuff like that that people can lay on. It kind of was been there already. Yeah, there is stuff there. I mean, there's probably not enough of it, given yeah. the numbers of people that come there. That's true. I mean, yeah. you do, you know, PAX is very good about that, having places for people to kind of rest. Um, E3 hasn't really caught up with that idea yet. But, but is that going to make any dent in people's perception of the show? I wouldn't think so. It's not like when you're watching this B-roll right now that we shot at E3 last year. You're looking at it and be like, oh, look, there's places to sit back there. Like, nobody cares about that crap. Nobody looks at this and says, oh, look at that lounge, how well decorated it is. Like, that's not what people go to this show for. Like, I feel like the ESA is com- doing the completely wrong thing. It's focusing on the wrong things that people don't really care about. Yeah, but, like, what else can they do? What well, they can just say, you know what? From now on, on Saturday and Sunday, it's public only, and we're going to let 80,000 people in hmm. every day. All week, it's industry only, and we're letting more press in. Yeah, but I don't think you'll ever get that to happen because you're not near ne- – how are you ever going to convince the game companies to stay an extra three days? If the consumers are there, they'll do it. Because they're the I don't people. Know they will. I mean, that's that's exactly what they want. That this is what the publishers want. They want the the consumers in the show, based upon the insider information that I've heard from people who I who have are placed very well. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. That is what the publishers are most pissed off about. Is that it's too closed off to the public. They're like, this doesn't work anymore in 2019. You need to let more of the public in. The people who actually pay for this stuff instead of the people that we send this stuff to for free mm-hmm. so maybe you don't start e3 on tuesday anymore you start it on like wednesday or thursday and you do thursday friday for the industry saturday sunday for consumers and saturday sunday it's a free for all and you if you're the esa you say to people like us come at your own risk you there's no special privileges for you guys your press pass will still get you in but you're not going to be able to jump lines it's like you come here and observe the spectacle like everybody else and i think that works it works for us all i need is two days to cover e3 matt that's it Mm -hmm. i don't need any more than that and nobody else does either because the show isn't the size that it used to be there's not as much going on in two days, we can And tear- honestly, most of it happens off the floor. Right. So two days on the show floor at E3, you can tear the show a new one. Give us Thursday and Friday. Give the fans Saturday and Sunday. You're still basically a four- or five-day show. You're not asking that much more from the publishers. I think that's how you win. Uh, I, I don't think the publishers are too interested in extending the time. Uh, I think they're interested in the public, but I don't think they want to be, have, be paying people over the weekend. Um because you're getting into some But you figure it's, it's, you're just there. shifting it, though. It's going from Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Somewhat, but then you lose the weekend in terms of load-in. And I, I might change how the convention center – I mean, here's the, here's the other thing. If you do that, 
the ESA can't ask for more money. Right. Oh, absolutely. That would have to be some kind of like... And look, like I said, then you let more press into the show for free because Mm -hmm. you're more than making up for it with all the tickets that you're selling to the general public. You can afford... I mean, it's just pathetic that they're milking journalists for money anyway. That's just sad. Like, that just shows you that the show isn't where it should be at this point. If you're relying on milking a couple thousand journalists for their $500 or whatever it is to get in, that's pathetic. That is pathetic. So, I don't know. I think that plan works. I don't. I think it's a better plan than what the ESA has. I, don't, I, I mean, don't what see. is ESA's plan? There isn't one. It's I like we're really going to dress it up. What's the plan? Some of the other stuff. Um, more streaming from the show floor. Do we need that? What does that mean? I don't know. Does that mean that I can stream from the show floor? Sifted are can they, stream from the show floor? Are they going to do Or does that mean that stream? like they're going to do their own stream that I'm sure Keeley will? Is like is going to be on the probably. floor more? Like, that doesn't seem like it's going to really give you give him any advantage, really. I mean, No, I mean, I don't care about that, honestly. Like, all these streams, they're all redundant. They all have the same demos from the same and the same people on all the stages. It's just like a it's just a merry-go-round. They go mm-hmm. from one stage to the next. Um, they so they said there's going to be surprise guests, stage experiences, access to insiders. What exactly does that mean? Probably like means, meet and greets for like yeah, ninja? Probably meet and greet and like you can wait in line and get ninja's autograph. Signs. Yeah. Like that's, that's usually what that means at conventions, yeah. So do you think that that holds weight? Cuz that is one thing that doesn't really happen at E3. Mhm. There aren't places where you can go and meet, like, Ted Price and, like, get his autograph and have him sign your Ratchet and Clank whatever. I mean, maybe. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's the same as, like, going to Star Wars convention and meeting, like, Mark Hamill. Like, I'm not sure if that translates, but I guess if they're willing – if the luminaries are willing to try it, might as well give it a shot, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, I'm surprised the luminaries are willing to do it, to be honest. Yeah, I'm curious to see who they'd get to do that. It also goes like you know people like you know Ted Ted Price is busy like he's got stuff to yeah, do yeah. that week yeah absolutely everybody does it's like so I'm that's probably why it's never happened because people are like look man it's E three like I'm booked wall to wall the whole time I'm there um, surprise guests I don't know what that means are people just gonna randomly walk through like the hall like it's Comic Con where you would run into a celebrity here and there like is that all gonna be like contrived where they're like okay this celebrity you walk around from like one o'clock to one thirty. like i don't need what does that mean guess surprises the bottom line is none of this is going to move the needle matt that's the problem mm-hmm. none of this is going to fix the problems that people have with e3 sure data breach we're pissed off nobody else gives a crap about that what the people what the people care about and what keeps them from buying a plane ticket to LA and then spending the money to get into the show, none of this stuff addresses that. Like what about like if they had just said shorter lines? That would be the biggest bullet point on here as far as getting people to go to the show. If they're like lines half the time of last year's E3 to the best of our ability, that's something that matters to yeah, people. But to do that, they'd have to expand the space that people have available so you could put more kiosks and more stations in for people to play so you could fit more people in per hour and they would probably try to charge the publishers more money for that because that's all they're all the essays here for i mean the insider baseball part of this of what would make the publishers excited is we're chopping the booth price in half Mm -hmm. there would be no empty floor space so you solve that problem like that none of that is in this none of it and look we don't know the whole plan yet 
So there could be stuff coming that does address kind of the things that I'm concerned about. But you would think you would put that in your first press release, your first messaging about it. Like you're bar- if if there if that other stuff is coming, the ESA is burying the lead. They're mm-hmm. announcing the stuff that most people don't care about first, which is the exact opposite of what any marketing plan should do. You always that's why it's called a lead. You lead with the lead, the stuff that people care about, the most important information. But it's spelled different. L-E-D-E. Yeah. Lede. Lead with the lead. Exactly. So, I don't know. Like, I'm sure the ESA pat itself on the back after sending this out. It To me, it doesn't address any of the root problems with E3. I don't think the root problems... It's not going to keep e- someone from stealing my car. I don't think the root problems <laughs> of E3 are solvable. You really so, don't. You just yeah. think it's doomed. It's over. Really? There's no need for something like that anymore. Like the point, the reason E3 became what it became is because it was the hub of the year for exposure and reveals and meeting. And you don't need that anymore because the world is far more connected and people have infinite other ways to like see what they need to see. And you have infinite other ways to get the information out whenever you want to get it out without all the signal to noise ratio problems of being in the same place as everybody else in the industry. I don't think you can ever recapture that. The best thing E3 can hope for is to become basically a more corporate-focused version of PAX. Or what about games? I mean, Gamescom. What is? It? I mean, do we not need Gamescom anymore? Gamescom, I would argue, is better positioned during the year to have more interesting things, especially uh, in the run-up to the holiday release schedule. It also takes place in a much larger location that can accommodate far more people and also has far, far, far better public (laughs) transportation and hotel access. Yeah. Like, there's way more ways to get to Gamescom than to get to E3. I mean, you forget, we forget, certainly living here sometimes, that just the cost of staying downtown for this thing is in the thousands range. Like, it's... It's a very well. They gouge you downtown, right? Because it's one of the they most know ex- where you're coming right. for E3. It's one of them. I mean, San Diego does that a little bit too with Comic Con, but yeah. like again, they do that a lot. Comic Con, Comic Con <laughs> also has a train that goes right to it, no matter where you're yeah. staying up, up, you know, north of there. There's nothing like staying at a Red Roof Inn at Comic Con and spending like five hundred dollars a night yep. <laughs> for like a Roach Hotel. But like it's, it's the worst, you know, and it's just not functional anymore like you know i mean i'm, sure, I'm think, not going mean, to discourage anyone from coming to it if they really want to go but i think the, the bloom is off the rose i mean do you think that like gamescom could just brand like what if the esa is like we're not doing e3 anymore don't you think that gamescom could just come in and do gamescom la and it would be gigantic i don't think so really i don't think it matters interesting I think it would. I think it would. I think a consumer show would do great. Well, you'd have to get everybody on board again. I don't know if anybody would want to try to resurrect the corpse of that of that show. We've like, done it before. What Re- resurrected the corpse of E three? Sorta. I yeah, mean, we have. I, I just don't think the world has moved on. I don't think you recapture that anymore. I think it. Do you think conventions in general are just done? No, I don't. Some because, of them make sense because like, a bunch of con- the conventions that work, like PAX or uh, your Gamescom, have an identity. They have a community around them. E three never had that because it was a corporate expo. Like maybe eventually a kind of a community or a fan driven identity could grow up around this thing, but to, to try and create that around something the ESA organizes is borderline impossible because they don't have that connection with the community. They don't know what anybody wants. The like all these bullet points just read like that Steve Buscemi 
gif where he's just like, how do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> like, it's just like, there's, yeah. there's no there. There's no grassroots there. There's no yeah. there there, you know? And, yeah, like, I Gamescom agree. still has that. It was always a public show. TGS has, still has that. It was always a public show. Um, even Spaceland had that. It was a corporate show, but it was a public show. Like, trying to convert a corporate expo into a public mecca once you've taken the mystery away it's from what tainted. made me it's like, it's yeah. like, it's like I, you, you're basically hoping the community figures out what they want to make this show into and yeah. I think a lot of it is just like I don't know we just want to go to E3 but what is E3 anymore yeah Sony's not even there anymore Microsoft is across the street in a different theater and they're only there because they own the theater yeah if they didn't own that theater who knows where Microsoft would be during E3 they wouldn't be there yeah yeah especially when Sony left like once Sony left Microsoft had a free Get out of jail free card. Yeah. Basically. I just don't see. I don't see. I mean, I'm not saying there's no room for a, a, a game related convention style thing in June in Los Angeles, but like, it's never going to be the, the 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 heart of the gaming year the way E3 used to be. Like that's over. Yeah, it's not the Super Bowl of <laughs> video games anymore. No, it's more. I guess the, that's the best uh, way to put it. It's, it's more the uh, All Star. <laughs> and we all know how awful those are. <laughs> all of them. Every at, league. At least you're in Hawaii. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, and I would say Hawaii is a nice upgrade over L.A. for sure. So there Probably one go. of the only places we could hold a convention that would be more expensive than here. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Milk's like $13 a gallon in Hawaii because yep. they have no cows. I know seven people who have gone to Hawaii, fell in love with it, and moved there. They all came back within a year. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's so expensive. It's expensive, it's insular, and it's isolating. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So anyway, there's the first uh, details about E3 2020. Obviously, we're going to be talking about it a lot more mm-hmm. over – I mean, registration opens up in like a month, I think. Uh, the show's only four and a half, five months away. So we'll definitely start ramping up discussion yeah. about it coming up. Um, but these are the first details, and they're not exactly encouraging or auspicious. So – We'll see how it shakes out. I'm hoping the ESA follows up with something else real soon because as much as I love IM8-Bit, this just isn't getting it done. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot more work that needs to be done than what they've outlined so far. So we'll see. Um, It's still – it's not that far away. When you're planning an event this big, four months is like a week. Like I mean, the time just goes by that fast and you have that much to organize. So – Whatever they have in You're place right now. Talking to someone less than two weeks out from shooting on two two movies. I know how fast exactly. time moves. Exactly. Yep, exactly. And the stuff I'm working on right now, it's like my day goes by in like the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, it's like my wife is like, it's 9 o'clock. We have to go eat dinner. And Even I'm like, right now, I'm just like, what emails do I have <laughs> yeah, exactly. in, the, in the three hours we've done this? Yep, exactly. So anyway, that's the first preview of E3 2020. We'll see how it all shakes out. I'm not that encouraged by it right now, and Matt certainly isn't. So uh, I'm going to try to stay a little more hopeful. Uh, I just have uh, too many great memories from that show to just – I mean, you're probably right, but I just I just want to hold out a little bit of hope. Some of all human wisdom is held in two words, wait and hope. That's true. Very profound. All right, it's time for we'll our – Count of Monte Cristo yeah. tonight on Game Face. Yep. The most like I said, you learn something every week on the world's Didn't most Didn't learn anything about games, games but we, we learned a little <laughs> bit about Dumas. <laughs> Yep, it's time for our trailer of the week. Uh, for those who are on the stream every week, you know this is the time to get your questions into chat. Uh, go at Sifted Games into chat. It'll make it much easier for us to find your questions. Uh, our trailer of the week, we're actually going to discuss this at first, and then I ended up taking it out of the, the rundown because we got some other stories. Uh, season 4 of Apex Legends just launched. Um, you going to go back and give it a try? Not today. No, no. <laughs> I mean, maybe well, actually in a couple weeks, yeah. You're, you're just pretty swamped right now. 
Uh, I probably am. I did like what they did with the thing where they were teasing that one character, and then when they did his character trailer, they killed him, and the actual character trying to be the guy who killed him. Yeah, like, that was a cool. That's twist. pretty clever. I enjoyed yep. that. Yep. Uh, so anyway, Apex Legends season four is here. Uh, we have the launch trailer. Let's roll it. Securing the future of our legacy. May one more for our daughter. What's in there? <gasps> Stay calm. You two go. There you go, Matt. Season four of Apex Legends. That went fast. I guess they have like what three seasons a year or something. Something like this. Like it's, it's like every quarter. It's like a trimester per season or whatever. It's pretty crazy that they're on season four already. What's even more crazy though is we're on level four of the hype train. I didn't realize all this was going on. This is our best hype train ever. We've never made it to level four before. Thank you guys. The person we really need to thank though is Sound Wizard. He just. He just dropped in and just dropped gifts on everybody. Look at this, man. He just gave away all these subs. Look at this. Mm-hmm. Dude, 50, he just gave away 50 emotes. Sound Wizard, you're the man. This is two weeks in a row, by the way. I think he gave like 10 subs away yeah. during the show last week. Thank you, man. That is so freaking awesome. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, everyone else is thanking him in there, too. So awesome, man. So uh, So generous. 
Uh, let's get to some questions here. SJD Swanland also gave us some bits. Um, Slagathor, subscribe via Twitch Prime. Magister Cado, I believe, subscribe via Twitch Prime. Uh, we had somebody taking notes while you guys were subscribing during the show. And the handwriting isn't the best. It's hard to read. But hopefully I got those names right. Uh, let's get to some questions. Uh, since he gave us some bits, we'll answer his question. SJD Swanland, what are your favorite brand new television and subscription-based shows that are on their first season or you just started watching? Um, Hype train 70%. <laughs> I mean, the obvious one is Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, and uh, which I thought Witcher was good. Witcher yep. was very, very good. Yeah. Um, I think those are the only two new ones I've really gotten into. I mean, I, I don't, I don't start new shows much. I am about to uh, watch. I'm, I'm obviously behind. Oh, there's the, ch- there's the train. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh wait, I got to thank you before it's gone. Thank you. Hundred percent. The confetti, the hype train. <laughs> I'm about to catch up hype. on uh, Killing Eve and Fleabag. So those are my next Level two. four complete. You guys are awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, so I, it actually automatically populated their names so I can thank mm-hmm. them by name. That's awesome. It's crazy the stuff that Twitch does now. It's, in, it's like bonkers. Uh, I just started watching a show called The Outsider on HBO. Have you seen yeah, that yet? I know that. It's good. Um, That's the Stephen King thing, yeah. Yep. It started out, and my wife doesn't really like sci-fi or supernatural stuff. She loves, like, murder mysteries. Like, that's mm. her thing. So we start watching it, and it seems like it's going to be a murder mystery show. And then right. it starts turning, like, I mean, supernatural. King, so, yeah. And that's where she started, like, tuning out. And that's when I, like, sat up in my seat and I was like, okay, this is getting oh, good hey. now. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, but it's good. I think it just – I think this weekend, the fifth episode of that show uh, just launched. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's HBO, so you can't binge it, although there's five out there now. I really enjoyed that. I also like The Witcher. Uh, there's a new season of Castlevania coming up on Netflix soon. Yeah, March that, 5th. That obviously isn't its first season, but I'm excited to check that out. Um, what else is coming up? I think Ozark has a new season coming up. Maybe. Ozark, if you have that. not watched that on Netflix yet, go watch it right now. It is literally, I think, it may be my favorite Netflix show <laughs> of all of them. I mean, I got I to gotta finish BoJack Horseman, which the last episode. You turned me on to that, and I've been watching that, too. And that is great, man. Yeah. Absolutely. It's one of my top five shows of all time. It's really any good. Time. Not just animated, anything. Yeah, it's really good. And I didn't know about that until you told me about it. And now I've, I watch, I'm probably just as, watching as much as you do. What else? Um, yeah, again, Ozark. Go watch Ozark. I, like, it's one of those shows that, like, you see a billboard for it or an ad for it, and you're like, that looks boring. It is so amazing. <laughs> Uh, just go watch it. And there's two, three seasons? Two seasons, I think, mm. already. The only, the other and the sh- new one's about to start. So. The other show that I, I haven't really seen, but it's kind of like one of my one day, I'll get to it, is The Expanse. I haven't watched that yet. Um, your, your, your wife would hate it because it's very sci-fi. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> I got to be careful. Like, if I start a show, I have to be like, am I going to be able to watch this, like, after she goes to bed? Because mm-hmm. if she's around, if she won't watch it while she's around, I know it's going to take me forever to get through it. I want to try on Killing Eve. Killing Eve. Yeah, okay. murder, murder mystery stuff like like <clears throat> investigation stuff like it, she might she might. Oh my God, we're at the yep. final level of the hype train. You might, Travis. You might. Level five, final level. Mm. Keep the hype going until the clock runs out. We have two minutes. Two minutes and forty four percent. Even if we don't make it, it's totally fine, guys. Like wow, this is awesome that we even got to level four or level five. Actually, that's great. 
Um, not not Sirk says thanks for your time, Matt. I'm not sure what that's in reference to. I think that's in reference to me saying, "Do I have emails to answer about the movies?" Oh, uh, well, you're busy. Yeah. And you're welcome. This is, um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't miss these except obviously the week we're shooting. I, and except I, next week. Well, we're not even. <laughs> or no, sh- it's. Two weeks from two now. Two weeks, yeah. But don't don't freak me out like that. <laughs> but, um, that will freak you out. We're, uh, I, mean, I mean, they're night shoots, so it's not like it's during the same time, but I'm just not going to be awake. Uh, I mean, that might be fun for the, for you to watch, yeah. but it would not be fun for me to do and then have to go shoot <laughs> that yep. night. Thank you, Nutsirk, for thanking Matt, actually. Uh, ETH Demon, have you been following the GeForce Now, NVIDIA's game streaming service stuff? Seems like people, at least in the games press, like it way more than Stadia. PS, you can use most of your PC's games on it too. Uh, and boom, not, we did it. Justin Horman. Oh my gosh! Hundred <laughs> percent. There comes the confetti and the hype. Who takes hype? <laughs> it's so awesome. It's such a simple thing. Like, why did they wait so long to do this? Level five complete. We've never done that before. Where's the people that I have to thank? Justin Horman threw a huge chunk in. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Justin Horman. But I want, like, where's the thing where I get to, like, thank him officially? Like, it didn't show up this time. It didn't pop up. Dude, 1,500 bits. Are you freaking kidding me, Justin? Thank you, man. You guys are awesome. Look at this. This is sweet. 102%. You know what? We're going to answer. After today, we're going to answer. And we have time. It's only 3.30. We have time. So we're going to answer all your questions because y'all hit the hype train summit. Uh, Scorefear, thank you for subscribing via Twitch Prime. Appreciate it, brother. Uh, Tomb Raiders, what was your thoughts on the latest trailer for the Final Fantasy VII Remake? I look more like I, I, I like, I'm not sure what he's saying there. I think he's saying I like it more than I could have imagined. Mm-hmm. And that was the soundtrack trailer, I think was the last one. There's that, your thank. There it is. Can't let it go. Where'd it go? It's gone. You got it. Oh, okay. Such strong support. Dude, we just got like, what is that? Like a unicorn emote on roller? It's like a unicorn on roller skates. <laughs> it's just like a horse head on roller skates. I don't even know what that is. I can't. I ah. Pieces of a unicorn, I guess. <laughs> I guess I have to send it out to you guys. It looks like it. Yep. It looks like once I send this out, you guys get the new emote. At least I think. I, I don't even know what the hell's going on. Yeah, we have a... Horse's head on roller skates. That's one of our emotes. It's so bizarre. Anyway, uh, what were your thoughts on the latest Final Fantasy VII trailer? Uh, I didn't see it. You didn't see it? No. I, I've, I've stopped watching them. I don't need to see anymore. Yeah, I mean, I have played it. Yeah. I've, well, I mean, it's the remake, so. Yeah, but I figured I'll get to it. Yeah. I, I, I'm stopped. not as excited about that as maybe everyone else on the planet is. Yeah. Uh, I'll play it. Looks nice. Um but I, uh, you don't need to convince me anymore. I, I'm, I'm going to play it. Yeah, like, if they delayed it again, like, I wouldn't be, like, all bummed out or anything. No. Like, I'm, I'm excited for it, and I'll I feel play bad it for the, here. I feel bad for the people that put in for, like, time off during yeah, that time yeah, yeah, and all for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, like, I'm just saying personally. Yeah. Uh, Vincent, Sony just closed the Manchester studio that's been working on AAA VR game for the past five years. What does this mean for PSVR 2? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing's going to stop PlayStation VR 2 from coming out. Nothing stops this train. I mean, if Golem came out and tanked, nothing's going to stop yeah. it. <laughs> Plus, we got the hype train going here, so ain't nothing going to stop it. It is a little unusual that they shut down a studio that never made anything. Well, they like, shut it down because it never made anything. I guess so. It had been working on something for too long. Uh, Scorfear, if Microsoft or Sony could release their console three months before the other, how impactful would that be? Would they just dominate? No. No. Uh-uh. 
It would have a little bit of an impact. Somewhat, but like give you a head start. Depends what you can release with it, but also like like large Actually, large purchases like that are backloaded to the end of the year because of the holidays. So it's really not going to help you that much. Yeah, when everyone gets their Christmas club checks and whatnot, I would say this though: it would allow one of them to get through their launch allotment of units that they were able mm-hmm. to produce and then reload for the holidays and have more for the holidays. So by the time the holidays finish, mm-hmm. instead of having this discussion where we're like both sold out of everything they could make, one would sort of have the, but, the lead over the but other. But typically you do get at least one second, a second allotment out by early to mid-December. Yeah. And it, that's always been how it's gone. I mean, obviously this could be a different thing this year because of the, the backups and the factory shutdowns because of the coronavirus uh, 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 quarantine stuff. like. And, and just to be clear, like that's those delays are not because people are afraid the coronavirus is going to get on the products and ship over here. It's because people don't go to work because they shut everything down because yeah, yeah. everyone's sick. They can't make stuff. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if that becomes more and more prevalent, if that, if that doesn't slow down, if this virus doesn't burn itself out in the next few weeks, we could be looking at some serious factory delays. Yep. And moving sure. factories, moving to different factories in other countries, assuming it doesn't spread to there. Uh, it's going to be real interesting to see how that unfolds. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, people in uh, people up at Microsoft and Sony are looking very closely at that right now. I'm seeing now all of you guys who actually like donated stuff to try to make the hype train happen. Uh, SJD Swanland, thanks for the 100. Tappy Oaks, thanks for the 500. That's freaking awesome. He shared 10 emotes. Wow, you guys are just killing it. This is awesome. Thank you guys. Wow, awesome. Justin Horman, 25 emotes shared. You guys are just killing it. Thank you so much. Um, let's see. Yakov226, with the stretch goals of the wonderful 101, how much does it cost to port a game? Good question. I don't know. It's different for every game. Yeah. It depends on how involved the game is. And if there, if there's a multiplayer component, whether you if you just, you have to decide whether you're going to bring that over or not. A lot of times mm-hmm. they don't. How, you, how clean the code is? How good, you know, like... That's How what, well was it built initially? So I read Dead Redemption One. Like never got a PC because like they barely understand why the game works. Yeah, it was so clutched together. Code. Yeah, and nobody wants to go back and parse that stuff. No, well, also because nobody who made it is there anymore. They fired that whole team after they finished the game. To answer his question specifically, though, I think you know if you're looking at that twenty five thousand dollars for the Switch version, that doesn't mean it costs twenty five thousand dollars to make the Switch version. No. They're asking for that for distribution and, and publishing, not to develop it. So if it's coming out in April, it's done already. Yeah. So the twenty five grand isn't a clue of yeah, I, I would say more likely the PlayStation four version at half a million dollars is closer to like a real amount mm-hmm. for a port, is what I would say. It's probably still more than that though. Um, the J-Bone 29, I love Game Pass, but it's trained me to never buy indie games or even many third-party games anymore. Is this good for the industry as a whole if more people have my mindset? I mean, they got paid. Yeah. One way or the other. Like, you know, they're... They're They're not working for free. Like I said, back last E3, I talked to several of my friends who do work in indie games and have game... Some of them had games on Game Pass, and I basically asked, like, so what's that deal? Like, you know, why did you do it? Like, what's the deal? Is it good for you? Did it work out and to to a person, they all said they gave us way more money than we expected to make from sales ever. Period. Like, so they are all fine with that. Please download their games on Game Pass and play them and enjoy them because they are okay. They're A-okay. Yeah, you're not yeah. hurting anyone by doing it. They're paid. They're compensated very well. Now, we could get to a place where... Where that doesn't happen anymore. Right. 
but I'm sure you'll hear about it if we do. Yes, we will. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Until then, woo! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, everything's all good right now. As long as that uh, that endless pit of Microsoft yeah. money never runs out. And it probably never will. Let's just be honest. Yeah, I didn't find anyone who wasn't happy with their Game Pass deal. Yeah. So. That's a great question, though, J-Bone. Thanks, man. That's a good one. Uh, not Cirque. Has there ever been a game franchise that totally transformed into another form of media? Um, I mean, I would argue that uh, uh, Sonic has been mostly kept alive by non-gaming media. Yeah. I, I think most of the, a lot of the fandom is based around the old Archie comic and the Saturday morning uh, cartoon, which is widely considered by the fandom the best of the cartoons. Um, like, those are the gold standards of Sonic to a lot of Sonic fans. So, I, was, I mean, obviously they still make games that never went away in games, but I would say that Sonic is one of the few that has made the transition to other media uh, and been there more successfully than the original game, than the game part for a long time, because the games went down in quality, but there's people who would argue that the extraneous media never did. Uh, I don't know if I'd agree with them, because I've never read any of it or seen any of it, but uh, I see Sonic non-gaming media mentioned way more than Sonic media as a reason to love Sonic. It seems like I remember a couple different IPs that weren't huge video games that ended up getting, like, either a hand-animated cartoon or, like, a 3D digital cartoon. Mm -hmm. And those cartoons ended up lasting longer than the gaming IP did, but I cannot put my finger on what it was. Um, Uh. I mean, Mutant League did okay. Did it? Mutant League had a, a Sunday morning syndicated cartoon for like three years. Oh wow! Um, it was uh, it was well. I, it definitely I've run into more people that knew Mutant League from the cartoon and didn't know it was a game. Ah, okay. Which is something. That's exactly what they're looking for. Yeah. Um, Justin Horman, thanks again, man. I can't thank you enough. Lazily diligent. I love that name. Thank you for Twitch Prime, man. Five months. That's awesome. Thank you. Um. Huh. Sifted Games needs a choo-choo button. We do, man. Hmm. I need a sound effect for the hype train. Absolutely. Maybe I'll work on that. We'll try to figure out how we can do that. Um, March 27th, uh, Tomb Raider said for Ozark Season 3. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Keep an eye out for that. And I think that might be it. Hmm. Keep scrolling There's down. more questions down there, I think. Is there? Keep going. Do, do, do. Oh, Scorfear, new Pactor Factor coming soon. Uh, you may have not been around for the start of the show where I started talking about why some of the stuff has slowed down a little bit. Pactor Factor is one of them. Um, we are shooting new episodes this Saturday. Um, the show is going to change a little bit. I don't want to give away too much. Uh, but we've, we've been working on things for Pactor Factor for the last couple of weeks. And until we had those locked down, we didn't want to shoot the next round of episodes. But we have it locked down now. And we're shooting episodes on Saturday. So look for uh, a call for questions on our Patreon, uh, on the forums, it's sifted, on our YouTube page. We reach out to everybody for questions now. Uh, And probably first thing tomorrow morning, there should be a call for questions. But things are changing for Pactor Factor. So be excited. Uh, Super Court on Blue. I was under the impression Nintendo owned the wonderful 101 IP since they bankrolled the Wii U version. Or did they? Yeah, Nintendo basically released Platinum. Yeah. They said, like, you can do it with us, but it'll stay a Switch exclusive. If you want it to be on other platforms, you're going to have to work that out on your own. So Yeah, they pretty much said, like, if, if you want it, you can have it. Pretty much, yeah. They were not going to use it again. And I'm sure Nintendo at this point is it's what Reggie has talked about a bunch of times. These people ask for games and they never buy them. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm sure Nintendo remembers that. It's like, yeah, they're always asking for this stuff, and then we put it out, and then it doesn't sell. So that may have had an impact on whether Nintendo decided to sign this for the Switch version or not. I don't know that for sure, but it's possible. Okay, that's it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody, for all the bits, for hitting Hype Train Level 5. That's freaking awesome. And I will absolutely work on a train sound effect for the next time. Uh, as I said, Pactor Factor, we're shooting a rerun of episodes this Saturday. The show's going to be different. Uh, we still need the same types of questions, though. That is one thing that's not changing. It's still going to be a Q&A show. We still need questions that are relevant right now, but also are interesting to consider a couple weeks from now. Uh, look for that on our Patreon, on Sifted.net, on our YouTube channel, in the community section. We posting that stuff everywhere. Um, Getting right down to episode 200, we definitely have some stuff planned, not just for the actual episode 200, but stuff that's going to be happening on the site and with some other shows and content as well. It's going to be a big deal. So I hope you guys will stick around uh, for all the excitement. And again, I'm really sorry that the content is a little bit slower than normal. Uh, I think you'll see why uh, whenever we get to roll out all this new stuff. So... Again, if you want to help us, you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. You can help us out at patreon.com slash sifted. Have you ever noticed how people always say backslash? Yeah. Why? Why is that? It's a forward slash. Mm. Why? It's like if you did a backward slash, the URL would not work. I just heard like a radio commercial on the way over here. That's why I'm thinking about it. Where they're like backslash. No, dude. No one's going to be able to get to your website. Anyway. Patreon.com forward slash sifted. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dinfire. That's D-I-N-F-I-R-E. Mm-hmm. You can find Matt at M Kyle. That's M-K-E-I-L. We'll be back next week. Yeah. But and Matt, you're out in two weeks, right? Two weeks. Yep. Also, don't forget that uh, Adam Sessler yep. has a show again. They just put up the first episode on uh, on the Spike Trap uh, YouTube like 19 minutes before we went live today. Yep. Called Sessler Speaks, and he's gonna he's it's like a 10 minute like Sessler Soapbox. He's gonna sit there and talk about the industry and through the the lens of his data company. Well, and, here's uh, the thing, people: if you use Sifted, you don't have to worry about any of that that yeah, crap because we it'll do it be for you. <laughs> it'll be on there. Another reason why you should be using Sifted instead of whatever arcane way you're using the internet right now: use Sifted. Mm-hmm. Give it a week. You won't use anything else. I promise. Yep. And remember, tomorrow, Wednesday, is Shane's birthday. Oh, no. You had to bring that up. (laughs) How did you remember that even? I remember everything. You must. (laughs) That's right. You said that earlier. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. (laughs) It is my birthday. That's your time for Twitter Twitter and and all that stuff and et cetera. Or you can just send me a million dollars. Send him Patreon. (laughs) Send him PayPal. If you want to give me a birthday gift, actually, the only way... Everyone prefers cash. Yeah. You know that. <laughs> well, actually, if you give me money, all I'm going to do is spend it on stuff for our studio. <laughs> um, again, there's a lot of stuff cooking behind you, the scenes. If you right want a train noise, <laughs> send them some cash. The funny part is the only way you can actually get to like our donation page anymore is on our Patreon page. Like The links on sifted.net have all like gone away. Mm-hmm. And there's still a donate link here on our Patreon page. So if you still want to reach that, go ahead. But please don't get me anything for my birthday. You guys will already do more than enough. Just the, the hype train was the most – that's better than any birthday gift I'll get. I reacted more strongly to the hype train than anything I'll get tomorrow. I guarantee mm-hmm. it. So thank you, guys. You're awesome. Uh, everybody have a great week. We'll see you back here next Tuesday. Game Face is up and out. <laughs>